Giant Steps, everyone. We have a special show for you tonight. Rudy, this is going to be fun, man. Loving it, man. I'm stoked. We brought, we brought the heavy hitters in the industry tonight. We did. So, so all right, let, let me kind of start off this show with what I want to do and why I want to do this, all right? So this is, uh, this, is, this is my podcast, and a lot of people think that all I'm going to do on my podcast is just talk about weird theology stuff or whatever. But no, this, I want this podcast to kind of reflect who I am, give some, uh, give some different things that I like. And so here's the deal. Every one of you guys that I have brought in here tonight is in the same kind of supernatural space, right? We talk about UFOs and demons, and giants and angels and and watchers and you name it yeah and that's what a lot of people know us for yep so i think because we all are in this space we know how exciting it can be you know how interesting it can totally be we talk <laughs> about it all the time but i also know that it can be all consuming for some people and it can almost be like an adrenaline junkie addiction mm -hmm. sort of a thing totally many of you guys notice that have you seen that oh yeah absolutely so absolutely I think that people need to see in some of the people that are leading this uh, movement, if you want to call it that, you know, whatever we are, little, little disciples of Gandalf who went went to the Grey Havens last year, you know, right about this time. And and uh, they, they need to see from us kind of exemplified that this is not all that we think or do or talk about or are. I think that's actually really important. Life is way more than just talking about giants all the time. It is. Not In fact, life is very there ordinary. Is. <laughs> they're, they're, exactly. Life is ordinary. Life is day-to-day -day stuff. Life is normal. Life is mundane. Ordinary stuff matters. So I'm going to start off here with a quote. One of my favorite quotes of all time. You know, the only rock shirt that I even own is like this Johnny Cash thing that I have on in it. You're a wild man. I tried to go find my Huey Lewis in the News 1986 concert shirt, but I think I threw it away. It's completely <laughs> trashed. So this is a quote from Johnny Cash. Listen to this quote. I don't know if you guys have heard this before or not. I love songs about horses, railroads, land, judgment day, family, hard times, whiskey, courtship, marriage, adultery, separation, murder, war, prison, rambling, damnation, home, salvation, death, pride, Humor, piety, rebellion, patriotism, larceny, determination, tragedy, rowdiness, heartbreak, and love, and mother, and God. <laughs> That's classic. <laughs> so Johnny Cash is like, he's just a hero, man. He's, he's a hero of so many Absolutely. people. Absolutely. Yeah, you know, as I've thought about music over the years, um, I've kind of thought about the way I grew up in evangelicalism and kind of the, the way evangelicalism has operated is kind of in, a, in some ways a Christian bubble sort of a thing. Like you get into a bubble of Christianity and you can stay in it. It's all the people you ever talk to. It's all you think about. If you have music, it's got to be to be approved by God. It's got to have like Christian lyrics to it. And it's got to be done in church and or put it on CCM or whatever. And if you do that, then you're good to go. You know, it's kind of this, this idea that, that music has, just like a lot of other things in this world, has to be sort of stamped approval of the holiness in order for God to approve of it. So in my tradition, the Reformed tradition, there's a lot of emphasis that's placed on the secular realm, not just the sacred realm. 
It's not that it's not that one is better than the other, but they're very different. Now, secular sacred stuff is holy because it, it's about proximity to God. You know, so when you're in church, you're you're in a special place with God's people, thinking about specific things about His Word and singing very specific kinds of songs of worship and stuff like that. But God made this world, um, the whole thing. He, he made a mundane world. In fact, the word mundane means world, belonging to the world. Yeah. And God likes mundane things. Mm-hmm. He likes the ordinary. He likes, you know, every day you have three meals with your family, that sort of a thing. Every day you go to work. Every day you sleep. Um, it's the rhythms of life. And music to me is kind of this strange between thing. I don't, I don't know what else to, to describe it as. It's like, it's like this place where the physical realm that we're, he, we're at down here kind of merges with the spiritual realm up there. And I'm talking just music itself, just the, the idea of music. Notes, you know, chords, harmony, <clears throat> melody, that kind of stuff. It, it's like it bridges the sacred and the mundane. Now, people can pervert it. People can use it for good. Um, I'm not saying that music is inherently bad or good or neutral. Like, music does certain things. And that's something I want to talk to you guys a, a little bit about tonight. Um, just kind of, is music neutral? That sort of a thing. But if we get to it. So, I've kind of assembled you guys here. We'll, we'll, we'll give some introductions as we go along. We've got Kenny. Kenny the C. Kenny the Rock C. Guitar virtuoso we've got joe horn down here from skywatch tv amazing guy and i mean the guitar playing man joe that that i have heard from you is just like otherworldly we've got dr judd burton and judd i've never heard you play but i have heard stories my friend i have heard stories and what a lot of people don't know is that the co-host here rudy landa like He's, he keep up with every one of you guys. <laughs> so it's unbelievable. I, I, am not a, I am not a rock god. I am not a guitar hero. Although I've tried on the video game, right? I'm not that. So I brought you guys in because you guys know music theory. You guys have cut records. You guys have been in bands. You've been in praise teams. You've been done solo artist stuff, you know. And I, I want to pick your brain. I, I think a lot of other people would like to hear some of this stuff too so what i kind of want to do is spend a little bit of our time going through talking about history of music your love for particular music your love for different artists you know love of guitar love of amps love of reverb love of loudness whatever <laughs> whatever the case might be <laughs> so let me give you just a tiny little bit about about myself and music not much at all because i'm i mean i've tried to be musical you know played played in band played trumpet I'm taking some lessons from Kenny on the guitar. Haven't got into the banjo yet, but we're doing a little bit of electric. Doing We've done some acoustic stuff. I've played, you know, messed around just a little bit uh, as a you know, youth group leader, playing the chords and stuff like that. But I'm nothing like what you guys are. But, man, I come from a, I come from a household where my parents love music. My mom has been playing in, in church piano for 60-plus years. Wow. She's 80, I think well, she's eight, almost 82 now. And she's still playing, still playing church piano. Oh, God bless her. Um, it's, wow. it's, it's amazing, remarkable. She's like the sight-reading queen of the world. 
That's my dad awesome. loves classical music. He's always loved it. Both my parents love classical music. So kind of I heard a lot of classical music growing up. And then I heard a little bit of 50s music because my dad liked 50s music. But he would never listen to anything after like about 1963 because you couldn't understand any of the lyrics. Right, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> right? So for whatever reason, he started, he started listening to country music in the car. And so that was kind of my gateway into rock and roll. Probably, I think Juice Newton was probably my true gateway when she wow. sang uh, the Queen of Hearts song. Right? That's right. This got, this got, this got play on, on, on just about everything, right? <laughs> Absolutely. So I, I'd say probably my favorite genre of all is probably like prog rock from the 70s. But I love singer-songwriters. I love, I love glam metal. I love blues. I love jazz. I love rock. I love classical. I, I, you love I it like all. some rap. I like instrumental. <clears throat> I, I like Fresh Air and, and, and Mannheim Steamroller. I like bab, bagpipe music. You name it, I probably have it. Yeah, man. Absolutely. That's great. So this isn't just going to be, you know, just one genre. Although, you know, we'll talk about what each of you guys have. So what I'd like to do is just kind of go, go around, have you guys introduce yourselves just a little bit. Tell me how each of you kind of got into the music scene, like, and why the guitar? And who were your some of your heroes at the beginning and but the first question you all need to answer is this question why is dan fogelberg the greatest artist of all time i knew that was coming <laughs> <laughs> you knew that was coming right oh yeah totally totally absolutely kenny has kenny has recently just learned that dan fogelberg is truly great truly yeah. great. no i i always liked his music but you kind of with you wanting to learn a lot of them I got a deep dive on it, and you played me some songs, and I was like, this is pretty amazing stuff. And it's a lot more traditional Travis picking. He's just an incredible finger-picking uh, person, man. He, I was so impressed with his technique and songwriting. So I always liked his normal stuff, but you've turned me on to a lot of things that I had never listened to before, and uh, I got a real good ap appreciation for Dan Fogelberg. So thank you, Doug. I like it. His stuff. <laughs> Really, really, the Kenny, the, the question that Eliana wanted me to ask you uh -oh. and uh, it is not about Dan, but it's about it's the same question. But it's why is Rush the greatest band of all time? <laughs> <laughs> all right. So if everybody doesn't know, Doug's daughter, Eliana, takes bass lessons with me also online. So and and she's 12 and there's a great story with this. But but this kid is like. You know, a 12-year-old now is, you know, mostly going to be like, what's their favorite music? It's going to be Taylor Swift, all this stuff. Oh, no. First lesson <laughs> is kids like Getty Lee, Rush, Muse, all this stuff. And she's legit fan. We'll talk. We started off playing Tom Sawyer right off the bat. I mean, she's learning everything I throw at her, man. She's also – I awesome. mean, we did uh, I Walk the Line. We did, you know, we did uh, Johnny Cash. We've done all this stuff, but she's learning R&B, uh, old-school R&B tunes, and she could just she's just in it man she loves music yeah. but what she loves is rush and i you know it's how do you argue with that man that's right. you know kids these days don't know that kind of stuff but they're starting to go back and hear it she's just lucky that she's got a dad that listens to that stuff so yeah uh yeah she she's like she's got great taste that's all i want to say but that's yes awesome. i i agree i was not a rush like crazy person when i was growing up i came into them later through a friend, a mutual friend who um, was really into him, and we started playing him in bands, and I was then I kind of was like, okay, this is this is some good stuff, man. I really, I like it. It's a yeah, there's no joke. They're definitely at the top of the thing and well deserved. Mm -hmm. 
So Kenny, why don't you tell us just a little bit about yourself? You know what your your musical uh, background, um, whatever whatever else you want to say. You know, it's I didn't know until a couple of years ago that the greatest guitar player in my life was Joe Horn, and he <laughs> I know, actually right? he influenced <laughs> me years before I even knew him. I didn't even know it. It kind of just kind of I don't know what happened, man. It came through me, and he's he's amazing, and uh, I love that dude. But okay, so seriously, my my whole thing is last yeah, time. Yeah, I'm kind of the. I'm, <laughs> I'm not. I'm not the theologian guy on here, man. I'm the rock guy. This is what I've done my whole life. I've played in bands. I went to Berkeley College of Music. I've taught music for almost 40 years now, which is kind of crazy that I'm 42. So I don't understand how that works, but <laughs> I have been teaching for 40 years. So um, yeah, so I I just always. I was just a music kid, man. I kind of fell into it. I had an older brother who he passed in a car accident when he was 17. I was about 14. And I inherited his music collection. And it was, it's the greatest rock collection ever. I mean, I, my taste completely changed. I was, I inherited this cassette box and it had Van Halen, one, two, women and children first, uh, fair warning, all the early ACDC, all the Def Leppard. It had Toto 4. It had Foreigner 4. So this was like 81, man. It was great stuff. And, um, you know, so I, that kind of just, that bug for playing guitar bit me hard. And I just became, I really wanted to do that. And so I went to Berkeley College of Music. Uh, I played mostly by ear up to years for that. I, I had to go there and really kind of settle in. But uh, I learned a lot. And then I came back and just started playing and teaching and touring in bands for about 30 years. And I've played in a ton of bands. I've had musical TV shows and movies and all kinds of stuff. I've done a lot of that over the years. But, um, I, you know, I'm a rock guy. I mean, that's what I kind of get my thing for. People come to me to want to be able to play rock stuff. Absolutely. And, uh, and I still, that's what I do. I, I teach, um, I have about 70 students a week. I teach students all over the all over the world including including Doug Van Dorn and his daughter which is amazing and uh, I love it and it's great I love this community and it's been a really big blessing for me because I'm getting a lot of people coming to who who are Christians but also are in the same thing you're talking about Doug of being like they're like people get kind of caught up in this thing where they think all the music has to be Christian music and everything you play has to say this and it has to be that. And I'm just, that's not the way I am. God speaks to me in music from stuff that is the most secular music ever. It'll come to me and stuff and I'll say, man, this is, God can use whatever. So do yeah. I love Christian music? I do. There's some great Christian music out there, but I, I can, I can use anything, man. I think anything brings to it. God created it all, and he can use it in whatever way he wants. And and for me, thankfully, it's with strict strings and some distortion. There you go. <laughs> so, Amp distortion or pedal distortion? I like I'm them both. I'm so kidding. I'm joking. It doesn't matter. I'm not a tech head, man. I'm telling you right now, I, I'll pick up a guitar and play every, anything. I don't, it doesn't Same. bother me, man. Same. Wherever it is. Same. I mean, I, I've watched some of my favorite players in the world I watch these guys pick up guitars off of the side of a, you know, in a music store, and it sounded like them. It Absolutely. didn't care what they were playing, and I was like, that's what I wanted to make sure. I was like, I don't want to be, you know, stuck to one thing. It's your sound comes through your fingers. Who tone, you are. Tone is, tone is in the fingers. It really is, yeah. man. It really is. So, I mean, it ha if you got a nice, I mean, look, I, you know, I don't have these nice guitar collections like Joey Showbiz. 
uh, Joe <laughs> Horn has. But he let me rip on some of his guitars. He's got some nice guitars, man. They were fun to play on. Yeah. And uh, I, and it was it's good stuff, man. I, like I said, I don't I'm not a big. It ain't got to be a name brand. I tell people all the time. I like I like kids to come in and not get associated with. They can have a, a a cheap guitar that plays great for a couple hundred dollars, and then and then you learn to play, and then you Absolutely. can then you, then you can put some money into something That's a right. little more That's expensive. Right. You know, don't do it at first, man. You got to go through those years of. It can't be a great guitar, man. I tell people you got to earn that. You know, where the <laughs> strings are a little high, the action's a little high. One hundred percent. Battling it, you're <laughs> like I'm. I'm gonna play this thing. It's gonna be mine. I'm gonna I'm gonna make it happen. And and uh, I, I think that's a it's a great tool. I couldn't agree more. Absolutely. Yeah. I love you got to pay your dues, huh? <laughs> you do got to pay your dues. Well, the thing man. is, I know Joey Joey Showbiz knows, man. Yeah, I, I call him Joey Showbiz. So Joe. Horn. Yeah, you should probably tell people that like apart from this podcast, you and I are like really close friends. They're like, who is this Joey Showbiz? <laughs> Joey and does Showbiz. he actually call like, himself I, that? Look, man. It, at some point, no. Joe, Joe's gonna call me uh, Tiger something. Just know hey, he's gonna be too, like, huh? what is that? You, you so, too. He calls yeah, you we Tiger have all too. kinds of weird. Yeah, we do. So. I, I get the tiger treatment sometimes, what? too. What? I do. That, that, was, that was just mine. No, I'm sorry. Does he call you Snap Tiger? Because no. that's mine. No, no, no. Snap Tiger is an exclusive for Kenny C. I get tiger from time to time. <laughs> I think I've used... Yeah. Kenny, I may have thrown Rudy a tiger from time to time, but the guy... Listen, the guy deserves it. He produced what my father, before he passed away, said... And I quote very close to this was the greatest DVD series on yep. the subject of the Nephilim and giants that he had ever seen. Unquote. Oh yeah, dude. Yeah. I think I he been, gets a tiger I, from time no. to time. I, I, I give, I give <laughs> up the tiger. I've earned my I, tiger. I might even give him, since he's Rudy Landa, make him a liger. He's a lion. Oh tiger. wow. Oh. <laughs> Don't encourage this. <laughs> dude, I'm telling you, man. That man, I gotta tell you, that's uh, that's that's um, a very, very, very humbling thing, man. It's that's. That means well, he said it. You were sitting right there when he did, and it can't be unspoken. And now it's a part of history. Yeah, yeah. And Forever. I, 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 like I said, humbled and beyond honored to to hear him say that. You know, so. Joe, I got to meet you um, last summer. You know, when when Rudy and I came out to the studios out there, and. Uh, your dad was able to host and that was probably one of the last times he was able to do that. And that was, it was such a blessing to be able to do that, but to meet you and then to, uh, you know, have dinner and stuff like that. And then all of a sudden I get this CD thrown my way and somebody, <clears throat> it, it, it says, this, this is Joe's CD. You got to listen to this CD. So I put this thing in and I'm like, what am I listening to? This is Joe Satriani. What, what, what is this? So you're on here because I'm just blown away by your music, and I'd like to know how you got into this, and uh, you know what what has been the driving force to make you play the way that you do. Well, I'll give you the short version, but first I, I would like to read something from the Bible, if I may, if I can find it. I had it pulled up here just a minute ago. If you saw me looking away, can I do that? You may always. And, it, always. and it's kind of a it's kind of a, a response slash coattail to what Kenny was saying. Because you were talking about, um, is it possible that people, I'm paraphrasing, but is it possible that people could experience an anointing or God could speak to them through something that is secular? Yep. 
And I just want to remind everybody, and I'm first of all, disclaimer, I'm not the, uh, the think tank that Douglas Van Dorn is. So again, I'm just, I'm throwing my two cents in. But Romans 11.29, for the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. And this was something that my father and I spoke a lot about when we often talked about, is it wrong to watch a secular film? Is it wrong to have a B.B. King CD in your car because it's not necessarily the gospel, but uh, he means well. Are, are, are these areas of gray? Because I came up through the 90s and a lot of what was being taught from the pulpit was the old cliche, garbage in, garbage out. You guys remember that cliche? Oh, yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. It, was, it was like a moniker for a lot of ministries and it was for a lot of pastors that simple. You listen to a secular CD, regardless of message, it's garbage. Therefore, you're opening portals in your home. You're distracting from the calling of the Holy Spirit. So in a nutshell, without going into grave detail, one of the things that my dad and I talked an awful lot about, and he helped shape my view of this quite a lot, and that was he would bring up Romans eleven twenty nine, and I'll read it again, for the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. And the way that we interpreted that, and Doug, you could respond to this if you wish, is that God anoints people regardless of whether they serve him. He is gifting them upon birth when he's forming them in their mother's womb, etc. A list of skill sets, a list of instincts and intuitions. He does not always remove those when they choose not to serve him with those giftings, which means you could have fantastically talented people basically aggregating an audience of young people, moving them away from God. And they will still remain talented. They will still mm -hmm. remain vocally able. Now, they might be squandering their calling, but that doesn't mean that they lose their talent. So the anointing and a calling and a gift, those are kind of frameworked in my head as different things. But to kind of jump in, and again, I'm not, I'm not the think tank that, that you are, Doug, but um, to kind of coattail on what Kenny was saying, I have often believed that I have also experienced moments of what I think um, were probably someone's calling, were probably someone's gifting, and they might be misplacing it, but I'll have these moments where I identify something, and to me, my spirit almost like clings onto that moment and thinks, I'm sad that it's being mischanneled, but wow, what great gifting. Does that even make sense? Mm -hmm. No, absolutely. Yeah, yeah it's so, like you're transported to another place because of the gifts that these people have been given by God, whether, whether, like you said, whether they're believers or not, whether they're using their gifts for good yeah. or for evil. It, 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 it's, it's astonishing to me. And I, I say this to somebody who's not like the four of you. I've tried to be good at music. It just isn't going to happen. It just isn't going to happen. So I can I can feel the and I know I understand that music is work and all that kind of stuff. And part of that is I don't have as much of the desire to get into it as you guys have had. But there's also gifting. That's part of that. We're all gifted in different ways. And when I hear people that are truly gifted in music, it transports me to another world. And I think that's what it's supposed to do. Mm -hmm. And you as a Christian can hopefully use your intuition and your God-given discernment to navigate whether for you, what you're listening to and what you're consuming is creating a stumbling block, a distraction mm -hmm. from your calling, 
or whether if for you it's just date night with your wife and you're running down the road listening to a Stevie Ray Vaughan CD. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So I'm not making excuses for or, or trying to set forth if there should be a young person listening to this podcast. I'm not saying that, that all music is A-OK -okay in the eyes of God because it's not. But I don't take this hardline stance that I kind of came up under in youth groups and so forth back in the 80s and 90s of literally everything that is not under a Christian label is garbage. I think a lot, and there, there are songs that I think God might even have agnostic feelings towards, like um, my dog ran away, my house burned down, I have the blues. Is that edifying to the Lord? Probably not. Is it blasphemous? Probably not. Is it benign and harmless? Probably. But again, Doug, I would defer to you on the deeply theological separations there. Or you too, Judd. You could probably weigh in on something like that. How did you but, get into the, how did you get into playing guitar, Joe? So the the short version of that is I'm nine years old and out of literal boredom. Okay. First of all, young people, if you're listening. You probably weren't alive. Rudy, you know what I'm talking about. Actually, everybody here would know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Back in the 70s, 80s, and 90s, there was no such thing as doing this 24 hours a day. Right. Oh, no. And most of us did not even have an Atari 2600. There, there was no <laughs> such thing as at-home video games. So the idea of having like a television in your bedroom, come on. Yeah. Right? So we had to find action figures play in the yard ride a bike with a neighbor in the in the cul-de-sac you had to get out and climb a tree see what outdoors looks like right so out of absolute boredom at the age of nine having exhausted my action figures and done everything i could with what i owned i i saw that my dad had this old yamaha box guitar leaned up in the corner right and uh i started picking around on it knowing nothing about it and my dad actually taught me the chords A, E, and D, right? And he explained to me that this Rudy was a progression. That's right. So now I knew three chords and the word progression. So I am a guitarist. Game <laughs> over. I'm a guitarist. And um, I ran out very quickly with what I could do with those chords, so I had to go back to the to the bank, which which was at the time my father. There was no lessons. There was no guy in town. This was just if I wanted. There was no YouTube. My dad had to show me another few chords. And and Kenny C hadn't even been born yet. <laughs> yeah, I don't think Kenny was even alive. <laughs> Kenny's only twenty five years old. I hate, to, I hate to tell you guys this, but I think I'm the oldest guy in this chat right now. It's true. I know that there are others, so I'll make this very quick because I don't want to dominate. But uh, I, I continued to play chords through my teens and eventually bought, um, you know, an electric guitar, which was a whole saving up for and counting down. And remember Layaway? Oh, yeah. Anybody ever oh, lay yeah. away a guitar and you're Layaway. waiting weeks and weeks and weeks, <laughs> chiseling away in $50 installations That's to finally right. get it, you know? And um, the, first, the first really cool electric guitar that I ever got was... Uh, an Epiphone Sheraton II, which is kind of like the the poor man's version of an ES-335 Gibson. Well, um, I bought it based on looks and appearance, Kenny, and had no idea that it was a jazz guitar and, yeah. and started a, like a, a, I'm doing air quotes because we were terrible, but I started a rock band at the age of 15. 
This was back when Hootie and the Blowfish was a big deal, and Eddie Vedder is singing, and 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 so of course you're you're kind of mirroring everything that's in pop culture. So I'm singing like, you know, when that was the thing, right? You remember that style? Yeah. Why did we forget? Yeah, yeah. Can you clearly don't sound anything like that? Can you sing in cursive? That's the real question. Oh my gosh! Yes, singing in cursive. That's pretty good. Close. Yeah. <laughs> I will collapse. I was 15 and a half. I was sitting on my best friend from childhood's couch, Jason Pumphrey. His mom was in the background making mac and cheese or something. His dad had gone to work, and we're just sitting out of boredom on his couch. We are flipping through the television in Portland, Oregon, and on the local public broadcast network, guess who pops up, and I had never seen him in my life, B.B. King. B.B. King. Mm. Now, let me tell you something, and I, I, I promise I'm not going to go on and on and on. That moment, I literally said, wait, 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 wait. He was scrolling. I said, go back, go back, go back. So he rewinds a little bit. He backs up a few channels, and here comes B.B. King. I don't know his name. I don't know what he's doing, and I just go like this. And he's like, what do you have? You really want me? This true story. And I am listening to this guy. And I remember watching his hands with the, with the famous BB King vibrato that almost moved halfway across the tail. It wasn't a little, no, it's a whole wrist shaking movement. Go Google BB King and you'll see what I mean. I remember being blown away and having this distinct thought. How does he remember where to put his fingers? How does he remember all that? It just seemed infinite what he could do. And what was crazy, Kenny, is I had watched a bunch of hair bands and and mm-hmm. and was really familiar with like Steve Vai and and what. But no one made me puzzle, like stop and ponder the almost infinity, the 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 infinite ability and the the. the wide open, never ending expanse that was the guitar neck like BB King. I just remember being blown away. How does he know where to put his hands? <laughs> and so I started, I started looking for somebody to take lessons from. And I went through two or three people that, you know, cause of the way I have to learn, I, I can't, I can't read notes. And if you're going to make me sit there and this is an E flat, well, I just couldn't do it at all. And I found this guy named Robert Payart. And I said, Robert on the phone, I'm, I am now 16 years old. I said, Robert, I don't want to waste your time or mine, so please don't mistake this as being rude, but I've been through three other teachers. I can't learn the way you think I'm going to learn. Can I just sit there and watch you play, and when I want to know something, like ask you about it? And he said, we can do that. <laughs> so I started paying this guy like 30-minute installations to just let me watch his hands and, wait, what, what was that? And by showing me a move... I would learn the move, but then I didn't know where to place it in the song. I started asking questions. How do you, how do you place that in a song? And so one question, led, he was feeding me the way I needed to be fed. He changed my life. Long story short, now I'm in my late 20s and I'm joined, uh, I've joined bands like the C.C. James uh, Project. I played with Steve Miller, former, or excuse me, um, Ronnie, the keyboard player, this formerly of the Steve Miller band. And I was getting a lot of opportunities to open for like um, some of my heroes when they came to town. One of the last gigs I turned down because I had just moved to Missouri um, back in 2008 was an opportunity to open for B.B. King at the Waterfront Blues Fest in Portland, Oregon. And I, I 
almost chewed off my own arm, but I said I can't do it because I had commitments in Missouri and I just couldn't rationalize oh, wow. leaving. But God had opened a bunch of doors, and um, you know I don't know how much of this story you want to you want to get into because I, I realize there's others, but. Music today really is a recreation for me. There was a time in my life I was pursuing it really hard as a professional, and I did studio session things like like Rudy and so many of you folks, and uh, really worked hard to try to be like the. My goal by the time I was in my twenties was I wanted to be the white Christian version of Buddy Guy. I mean that that ultimately became like. My primary objective, I even if you go back and I, of course, I laugh now, but if you look at some of my old original CDs, I'm even wearing the pink <laughs> button up dress shirt with suspenders because that's what Buddy that's Guy awesome. wore, yeah. right? <laughs> anyway, today it's a ministry every great now and then I'll do a charitable event or something like that um, other than, you know, handing out CDs and stuff and occasionally... Uh, I, I, I did spend a, a few hours, Kenny, with Vicki Joy, who's an incredible author who partners with L.A. Marzulli on a lot of stuff. He published her book, um, They Only Come Out at Night. I've done a couple of lessons with her where she's wanting to learn kind of the Stevie Ray Vaughan, Gary Moore mm -hmm. bluesy stuff. But other than that, you know, my ministry now is Skywatch TV, Whispering Ponies Ranch, Defender Publishing. And so um, having children really changed my priorities Oh, yeah. Lots of things change our priorities as we get older, <laughs> don't they? Judd. Judd Judd. Dr. Judd. Everybody knows you as Dr. Judd. The... We've lost him. We're going to lose him? He lost his, he lost his <clears throat> picture, but we can have him come back in. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he, he'll, he'll join us again. Yeah, I'll let him again. Hey, can I, I want to I want to tell you a little story about me and Judd Burton. This is how I learned his musical aspect. During during the pandemic, I was taking classes with Dr. Michael Heiser's Awakening School of Theology. Yeah, it's just you know. So I was I was going for the two year certificate, and when I had been out in Missouri meeting Joe and Derek and Sharon and all them, he was talking about Judd Burton. Hey man, you know this Judd Burton guy? I didn't know who he was. And he was talking about stuff he did. So as soon as I was back home and working on some things, I saw Judd had a, he had his own school online. So I, you know, reached out to him and was like, hey, man, I'm, you know, there's nothing going on. Everybody's shut down right now. wasn't playing shows. So I thought, I'm going to take a class with Judd Burton. So I'm taking a class with him on biblical stuff, but it was basically vampireology of all things. Right. But it was a cool class, man. And I wrote something. So before I really knew Joe, um, Judd, I my first paper I turned into him, uh, he writes back to me. And apparently at that time he had went online and saw some stuff and realized that I was a guitar player. And so he, he's, he sends me back my paper and he says on it, he says, Hey man, I think you'll understand this. This paper is not only a plus, but it is a Nuno Betancourt string skipping arpeggio level uh, paper. And I went, well, wait a minute now. You're talking about that. He did. He realized. He's like, you're you're being an extreme. So, and I was. I was the band extreme. And we kind of, we bonded right then. Me and Judd kind of started talking. And then next thing you know, man, we, we talk a lot. I've had him on some stuff. And we probably talk more about music than anything, man. He's a, he, we have a lot of similar uh, things. I, I joke about the fact that me and Judd apparently 
were the basically the same person at one point in our lives. He went to like off to anthropology, archaeology, and I went to music school. And then we come back around, and I'm like, I love all this theology and all the stuff that goes with that. So we, I mean, we have our bonding stuff. We'll just talk for hours. We'll get on a phone call and just chit chat about everything. And people are like, what do y'all talk about? And I'm like, mostly guitars and songs and stuff. And they, they think we just sit around and be like, well, the divine council. Exactly. Is that wrong? <laughs> no, it's not, it just doesn't Genesis 6, 4. And, and I'm like, well, we do that too sometimes, but he does that all the time with everybody else. We like to talk about music and we talk about what music, you know, does for us, what we like, who we like. And that's just, you know, we have a lot of similar tastes in music. So, um, it was funny a couple, I think maybe a year or two ago, he was on Burry Creatures and they were talking about the Dog Man. And so I recorded myself playing Dog Man by King's X and sent him a thing of it. And he started talking about it on the th on the show that night. And I was like, so I was like, well, he's talking, he's dropping my name right on it. Hey man, have you guys seen Kitty C play Dog Man by King's X? And it just started right then. We, I was That's like, amazing. Okay, He's my bro, man. I love Chud. He's such, you know, we talk about, we seriously are talking about trying to put some kind of group together to play at some of these conferences, man, we're speaking at. Um, we were going to do it two years ago before Judd um, got really sick. We had talked about doing something at uh, Tim Alberino's Birthright Conference. We were going to show up and jam at an after party. <laughs> and, we were, man. We'd already talked about it. And then Judd plays guitar, and I play guitar. But we were talking, Judd's like, hey, man, um, I'm going to play bass. I'm not going to play guitar with you on stage. I'm like, dude, come on, man. He goes, no, man, I'll, I'll play bass. So we're, we've been talking about it. We're like, we're going to make this happen. So the first time I met Doug Van Dorn, I was on a podcast, and he and I saw, saw a guitar in his back, and I was like, hey, man, you play guitar? And next thing you know, Doug's like, hey, man, you want, I, I want to talk to you afterwards. And the next thing you know, we're talking guitar talk and lessons set up. So... Uh, it's I love this this realm of people, man. Everybody's just a it's a great place, very very uh, edifying, man. Not That's only cool. just theologically and and faith, but music. It's just man, it's so. Well, good. that was that was one of the one of the things that when we started talking about doing the podcast, we we you know we were yeah. talking about what are we gonna you know what what will the topics be? So we were putting stuff out here and there. And then we were like, we should include rock and roll. He's like, absolutely. Absolutely. I love it. I love the name. Just Giant Steps. I was like, oh, that's great, man. Coltrane. You know, so there's, a, there's like, like a, yeah, that's, that's I was thinking good. about the name Giant Steps earlier, and I'm like, there's at least a, quadru a quadruple entendre in this name, at least. Yeah. So you've got, you've got, um, you know, obviously Genesis, Nephilim, Bigfoot stuff. That's pretty obvious. Yeah. I'm a mountain climber, and so... The whole idea of giant steps is big in the mountains for me. Obviously, you've got the the uh, it, it's got hearkening to Neil Armstrong on the moon. So you've got conspiracy theories right there, and then of course you have Coltrane, baby. Yeah. Well, and then there's there's another one for me on a, on a personal note because because in, on my journey, like as a guitar player, I I you know did the typical 80s kid thing learned van halen blah 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 but at some point i discovered um two particular cats and if you follow christian music and if you follow studio players then you, you you've probably heard of dan huff and oh, you've yeah. probably heard of chris rodriguez you know and, and if you yeah. haven't you can look those names up Don't, and, I, I, and dan huff's band was called giant thank you exactly exactly <laughs> that's right so 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 but but both of those guys when I discovered those guys and I discovered that they were 
and I was in high school, tenth grader, you know, that they were playing in all these records. But at the time, that they were Christians, they were believers. I mean, Dan Huff started yeah. with Whiteheart, you know, yeah. Keith, uh, oh, yeah. not Keith Green, what's his name? Uh, anyway, whatever. But the, the old lead singer of Whiteheart, Steve Green. Um, and so, so, but when I discovered that they were doing all these huge things, you know, playing for Michael Jackson, Madonna, whatever, you know, I mean, hundreds of records, and 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 it hit me. You can do this again, defying the the laws of physics of the day, and be a Christian. You know, you you, you can play secular music, and and Absolutely. and shine where you are, and uh, and so that that would Dan Huff literally, man. You know, I, I eventually met him one day, years later, and and was able to tell him how much he influenced my life and how much God used him in my life without him even realizing it. Because it gave wow. me something to shoot for, something to aim to, and ultimately, is what led me to put my do the stereotypical guitars in the truck and move to Nashville. You know, I wanted to be Dan Huff and I wanted to be Chris Rodriguez. You know, and wow. so, 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 yeah. When when you brought up Giant, I was like, Giant resonates with me as well for other reasons. <laughs> I was really cool. I love it. Yeah, yeah. I was a Giant yeah. fanatic. You know. Yeah, I always thought they should have been bigger, man. Oh, yeah. Not only is he a great guitar player, he's a great songwriter, and he's a great singer, too. Absolutely. He's, just, he's, a, he's a triple threat, man. I mean, I saw them live one time, and I was just blown away. I was like, this guy's as good a guitar player as anybody ever seen. Insanely good. And, um, Insanely amazing. good. Yeah, yeah. And, and and I think they kind of fell prey to the whole, um, the whole you know, grunge. Uh, yep, absolutely. That's uh, about the time period. Absolutely. But yeah, but those guys, like I said, major major influences for me, and and um, you know, and then and then when I when I moved to Nashville, simply by virtue of working in 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 media, you know, eventually you get to meet everybody, not because you're anybody, but you, you know, just you get to to meet everybody in town, and right. um, and they were very gracious, which was really cool, you know, to be able to mm. to say, hey, you uh, you 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 played up, you played up, God used you in my life, and you know, and thank you. So so are you um, are you playing recording on a on a on a um regular basis now kenny me actually um i just started playing live again i i had a couple years off i mean a lot of people if you don't know i i actually had a heart attack on stage in 2018 filling in for a journey tribute band i was in washington dc had gotten on the bus went up there very first song Took a Yikes. took a hit, and uh, it ended up being something that I, I came back and ended up having a triple bypass over. So um, I did pretty good for about two years, and then things kind of went awry. Once the once the pandemic started, man, things went downhill for me. And uh, I actually had an another I had another heart attack in 2020 during a streaming concert because you couldn't play live anywhere. And uh, at that point, then things really went downhill for me as far as my health. I, I had really bad uh, heart failure, yeah. and I couldn't play shows. I couldn't stand up. I couldn't play. So uh, my life's got some interesting things into where I came back around. I'm very, I, I won't get into all the details. There's some stuff. I've got a book I'm working on. Hopefully, will will be come out one day. <laughs> I know. <laughs> we'll see. But uh, it'll talk a little bit more details of stuff that kind of God played so much in my life. Um, you know, it's so funny because I grew up and all I wanted to be was a rock star, man. I wanted to play. I wanted to record things. And I honestly, I got to do all of that. I got to tour. I got the taste of being in front of thousands of people, major events, and all these great venues, the House of Blues and Hard Rock Cafes. And, and it was amazing. But God hit me at a place and just was like, made me realize that that wasn't really what 
I was supposed to do. And um, I still play. I, I just got I just got a gig. I mean, I teach all the time. People ask me. I guest on some uh, albums every year still when I wasn't playing out. I've had a couple uh, Christian artists have reached out to me. I've done some guitar solos on. Uh, Phil Baker put out an album last year, and I did a couple solos on his album. Um, and then, and then in the last year, actually, I just got hired by a band today that um, wants me to. I'm basically just coming in and kind of helping with listening to their sound and helping them create something. Uh, they just want my opinion yep. on stuff. So yep. I, I still do some of that. I'm still playing. I just started playing in a in a band here in the area that's uh, been around for. Uh, as long as I've been alive, which is 55 years, which wow. is hard to believe, but pe there's people in this band that have been in the band since I was born. So the band started in 1965. Wow. wow. They were called the Royal Kings, and um, the trumpet player uh, who's in it started in the band in 1968, which is the year I was born, and that band has still been going now. Uh, for that long. Wow. And it's amazing. I told someone, I said, that's like the Rolling Stones, man. How many bands do you know? My band's always had shelf life of maybe five <laughs> years. Then everybody hated each other, and you all took off, and you, you'd go another band. and you. I mean, I've done that for years. And, that's right. Um, you know, I kind of got away from wanting to be like, a, you know, like the, the desire of being like famous was not, just didn't appeal to me. I wanted to play. And I and I work with kids, and I teach bands how to I teach kids how to have their bands. So I mean I have little kid bands that are all 13, 14 years old, and I teach them how to go out and play and do things like that. So I, I love that aspect of it. Yeah. But I am just starting to, get to play again. The band I'm playing with is like a 10 piece band. It's it's a lot of R and B and old school rock stuff with horns. So we're playing like groups that I remember growing up and listening. You know, totally. Earth, Wind and Fire and oh, Commodores yeah. and and Cool in the Gang, and stuff that I never thought about playing, like Vehicle by Ides of March. Dude, that song is rocking, man. I got a big guitar saw in it. The horns are hitting. It's really fun, man. I didn't think I was going to like it as much as I have, but uh, I'm doing about 30, 30 shows a year with them on top of everything else that's going on and just kind of doing that stuff. But I, I'm still playing a little bit. I'm planning on probably writing. I've been writing for a while. It's just finding time to do it all, man. It's like you know, there's you know, there's something there, there's something there is an appeal that comes. There's a separate, a different kind of appeal that comes, you know, like you were saying you wanted to be a rock star and all that, and mm -hmm. and there is, and that's totally understandable because it's like what we're conditioned to see, all you know, the lights and the move, you sure. know, the moving Absolutely, lights and man. the fans and all that. But there, there is also a, a different type for for a different type of personality. There definitely is an appeal of being the guy. A little, a little bit in the in the background, you know, backing up the rock star, backing up mm -hmm. the singer. Um, I I found that pretty early on, and actually used to get laughed at, believe it or not, because all my buddies, my 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 headbanger buddies, you know, that that were listening to Rat and were listening to Crew and all this stuff, you know, and I li and I listened to all that stuff, loved it, Aussie, sure. the whole nine yards, right? But at the same time, when they would disappear, I'd be in my room trying to figure out, you know. Like a virgin in Dan Huff's part, and in, in you know, or or, or pa Paula Abdul, you know, you know, and and there was and there was a and they would make fun of me. Wait, if, if they would find out, like, what are Paula Abdul? You know, get out your, you know, you're banished. You know, um, but but there was something really cool about about feeling multi multifaceted, and and oh, yeah. and there was definitely an appeal to not necessarily being a rock star, but being a being able to make a living playing doing what you loved mm -hmm. 
and yeah. and yeah, just something really cool to be not not necessarily in the limelight, but you know, behind the scenes, making somebody else look good, you know. And so that, oh, that yeah. that's always that's always appealed to me the whole the side man thing for sure you know yeah you know it's a lot of, it's, it's team it's like a team thing man I've always felt like that with bands and stuff that you know I had opportunities come across a couple times where record labels wanted to sign my group and they didn't want to sign the band they were like well you write the songs and this stuff we're gonna sign you right um, and the singer and whoever this guy that does turntables I mean this was the 90s we were doing like hip hop rock mixed up. <laughs> But I didn't want to do it because I was like, no, man, these guys have been here. They work just as hard as anything, and it it was it was tough because the deals, you know, everybody wants to, everybody want to have a record deal. But I kind of the business, I realized I was like, that's eh, not that great a deal, man. None of them really are. You're not. You're just basically, you know, they're a bank. You're just owing a lot of money for something, and you don't know if you're going to get a return on it. Absolutely. I, you know, I've been around friends who are really big people in the industry. And to hear their horror stories of what their musical careers, you know, bad record deals, no money to tour, just everything. And I'm like, man, it's... Recoupables. Yeah, it's right. It's like you learn real quickly. So, you know, I learned early on was like, I could make a lot of money playing in cover bands that allowed me to go out and do my original music and play for a pizza, travel up somewhere up north and play in New Jersey for no money, and I'd come back and we'd play all the songs that people, you know, wanted to hear. So I got a real good breadth of all yeah. kinds yeah. of music, country. I love, and I, I love R&B stuff, man. Everybody, everybody's always like, oh, you know, I do a lot, of, I shred, I do a lot of stuff, but I love funk, man. I oh, yeah. love background funk, and I've learned that that's a really, I love that support of it. It's a very different Thing from being like when I was in the Journey band, it was basically 90 minutes of me getting to take guitar solos with the Steve Perry guy singing. Right. That was now. Now don't get me wrong, I loved every sure. bit of that. That was fun. But also at the end of it, I was like, I wanted to do more, and I was like, so my next band that I actually put together was a band of mine for people from my church called Uptown. We we were doing secular stuff, but we were all paced of my church, and all we were doing was dance music from like the 80s. <laughs> Prince, the time, all that, and man, it blew up, man. I, okay. I, I knew that was going to be the next big thing in the area. The classic rock was kind of dying. People were like, "How did you figure that out?" I'm like, "Dude, it's trends. It is you trends. Watch what's it is trends. With it. It's trends and stuff. And you just got to be willing to go with it, man, and be like, you know, instead of being the one catching up, you set it. You go with, it. okay, we're going to do this, and and it works. And so, it's not I mean, a given. It's really it's, it's not a given that any guitar player can just jump in and, and go from funk to playing country to playing oh, no. pop. I mean, no, pop, pop in the, in and of itself, like the Lukather single note type of thing, is oh, you yeah. know, um, and and then going from that to R and B and and to play it and to play it play it legitimately, you know, it's it's yeah. not that's that's yeah. when you separate the, the men from the boys, you know. Oh man, I love good rhythm guitar, man. Absolutely, Seriously, it's it's it's, a, it's amazing. It's such good stuff. So, um, yeah. So it looks like Judd is. Um... He, he said that his phone does not like Riverside and it's overheating, so he may not oh boy. come back in. Oh, goodness. Oh, bummer. So, anyway. So, the rest of the night, Joe Horn will play the part of Judd Burt. <laughs> <laughs> so I'd, I'd like to hear a lot smarter to play Judd Burton. <laughs> <laughs> well, then I ain't, I'm not eligible. Period. <laughs> None of us are eligible for that. No. So, I'd like to hear a couple of stories, just to, like your favorite story. Now, now Rudy, you, you have a story about we were talking about this oh, yeah. <laughs> about Carmen, about Carmen. Carmen oh, yeah. is like, in my mind, I always thought of him as like the biggest prima donna in the history of music for dudes. 
Like he's up there with some of the with some of the real prima donna girls, right? But you 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 know you knew him quite well, and you have at least one or two really interesting stories that I think people would would really like to hear. So so I I kind of went on the road with him for a little bit, not playing not playing guitar. We did a, we worked on a project. Um, it was actually believe it or not, it was a nine eleven tribute. I think I st- I sent you the link, didn't I? I sent you a video, and I think um, Doug. But in any case, um, probably did, yeah. yeah, yeah. So it was a it was a it was a joint project between um, the freelance company that I used to work with at the time in Trinity Broadcasting. They did this huge 9/11 tribute thing. I, I think I want to say about three years after 9/11. And so, but it was it was hosted by him. So we went on the road for probably collectively on and off for about four or five months, and got to know him really, really well, really, really well. And he was a good guy, man. He. Um, you know he he's he's got a big he had a big personality you know he passed away a few years ago but he had a really big personality so he kind of came across like that but he was a really really good guy and uh loved the lord man a lot like legit that's one thing i can say about him who he was on stage is who he really yeah, was wow. you know um and so but the, the story that that Doug is talking about is is actually it, it's actually surreal but it it is ridiculous um we went to one of the segments that we did. And I'll I'll share these with you guys. I'll I'll show them with, show them to you guys. But um, one of the one of the segments that we did was actually at the Pentagon, at the site of impact of the of the plane that hit um, the Pentagon. And the Pentagon has an actual uh, ministry inside a chaplain, uh, you know, a, a, an evangelical chaplain. I'm not sure if they have other religions or if it's interfaith or whatever. This guy is a believer. This guy is a Christian. Great, great guy. And um, and so he he served uh, ministering to the people you know on nine eleven the the wounded the people that lost friends the people that needed therapy and all that so we did an interview with him it was fantastic so in leading up to this and I was I was a good bit younger obviously um, so I was still kind of man kind of trying to get my you know my my sea legs and the whole producing thing and wrangling a big talent name or whatever so we find ourselves in Washington D.C. At this really posh hotel, they put us up really nice. So I get up really early that day, and I go to the concierge at the lobby, and I said, "Listen, man, uh, I'm with an artist. He's, you know, a celebrity. We're going to be doing a shoot at the Pentagon today. So I need you to hook me up with a really nice ride to take this guy to the Pentagon, right? Now, man, I'm on my cell phone. I'm calling the local crew, you know, my lighting person, my audio person, my camera, all these people." And all these people are used to working at the Pentagon, so it's no problem, right? So I come downstairs really, really early. The guys hook me up. I said, it doesn't have to be a limo. It's fine. Just get me something nice. I got you, man. No problem. And this guy was a stereotypical concierge, man. I mean, he's like sharp. He's, you know, he, he's got it under control. They come downstairs, man, and I'm, I'm, I'm nervous, but I'm not letting it show. I've got this. I've got this, you know. So down comes Carmen. We usher him out to the car. A really nice I don't like an escalator or something like that, but they drove us to the Pentagon. You go through this whole process to make a long story longer. We're already, we're in the Pentagon. The shoot goes fabulous, fantastic. Well, all along this time, everybody who is a Christian at the Pentagon has gotten wind of Carmen is there. So they're all, you know, they're like trying to, to, trying to get a peek of Carmen and then they want to get an autograph and all this stuff, whatever. It's cool. There's this one guy, this enigmatic person named Dave that apparently is a volunteer with this guy's ministry and Dave as we're getting ready to leave Dave says to us hey do you guys want to tour the Pentagon you know so at this point I've I've committed I mean my my obligations are done at this point so I look at Carmen and he says do we have the time and I'm like dude we're on your time you know 
So he says, let's do the tour, man. You know, this guy starts taking us all over the Pentagon. This small tour turns into three hours, three hour, a three-hour tour of the Pentagon. So about this time, I notice that he's running out of energy. And so I say, do you want to you head out? And he's like, yeah, I think we should go, you know. So we go outside. Now, I know you guys have been to D.C. In Washington, D.C., rush hour starts at about 1.30, 1.45 p.m., you know. It is now 3.30 p.m., and I start at, you know, and I'm, I'm the, the, our ride, by the way, is gone, is long gone. So I'm like, you know, we'll get a cab. Don't worry. So I'm calling a cab. Cab is no, I mean, dude, we're like 45 minutes waiting for a cab. It's in the middle of July. Carmen's wearing this black trench coat. These beads of sweat are starting to, you know, and, and now he's, now he's oh, not, wow. he's not in a very good mood, you know, and now I'm sweating, you know. So Dave, this enigmatic Dave says, guys, listen, I, I hope I'm not overstepping my boundaries, but you know, I, I have a, I have a van here, you know, I, I, you know, I'd be honored to give you guys a ride. Would, would you be okay with that? And I, before I even had a chance to answer, Carmen goes, oh, yes, please, that'd be great. So he says, okay, I'll, I'll be right back. The guy takes off, comes back a few minutes later driving down. You guys remember the mystery machine from, uh, from Scooby-Doo? Scooby-Doo. Yeah, you remember Scooby-Doo. that? Yeah, I do. Yeah, okay, it was that van, right? Without the, without the paint job, that exact same van. There's no front seat. <laughs> this is a work van. There's paint buckets in the back, right? And the side door doesn't slide. So Carmen and I have to climb through the back door, right? And we're sitting as this guy's driving through rush hour trying to hold on to something and these buckets that are swaying, right? We pull up to the, to the hotel and, and he, he looks out the window and he says, can you open the back door for them? So all of a sudden the back door opens and it's the same concierge. And we climb out, <laughs> and as we're climbing out, he goes, I take it it didn't go well at the Pentagon today. <laughs> so, yeah, great. yeah. So I can only imagine what that guy was thinking. So, yeah, it was a very, very humbling, <laughs> very humbling experience. Not exactly the way that you picture. No, no. No, I know. That's what I was just thinking. Not at all. Like, what was That's he thinking? Great. He he loved Probably it. Used to, oh, know. he laughed about it, like, for the rest of his okay. life, he laughed about it. Loved it. Absolutely loved oh, it. Oh, wow. You know, so. Wow. That's great. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because, um, Rudy, I, I didn't know that you knew Carmen, so I would have had no reason to tell you this, but right before he got his diagnosis, I think the first time in, I want to say 2007, mm-hmm. 2008, around, right there. around that time. Yeah. But um, Defender Publishing had just started contact with his, um, either his manager, we, we call it a handler, but basically whoever picks up the phone and does the negotiating. And um, they had agreed to an audience with my dad because my dad wanted to publish uh, Carmen's biography. Mm-hmm. And he was actually going to fly to Missouri and meet with us. And then suddenly he wasn't answering the yeah. phones. Yeah. And then a few weeks later, his, his uh, receptionist or somebody said, Carmen's mm-hmm. not well. And that, of course, the rest is history. But yeah, yeah. No, he it, it got quickly. He was he was very brave and very transparent about his journey, though, in public. I thought. No, absolutely. He, he he was not one of these who just, I guess, felt the need to constantly disclaimer uh, a constant message of 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 none of the human finite concerns and fears that go along with that. I remember reading absolutely. some of his posts where he talked about being afraid at times and mm-hmm. 
being struck by his honesty about yep. that. He was very real about it. Absolutely. And very, like you said, very, very transparent, you know. But what a man. What a great guy. And we were really, really close to publishing his biography. Yeah, yeah. Which for me would have been amazing. Because we, you know, I was, Rudy, I was at that age where he was like a hero, you know. Oh, yeah. We went and saw him live. He was larger than life, man. I mean, he, he, he was, was as big as he was got, giant. You know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you didn't have to be a Christian to know who he was. He was like a household name in the eighties. Yeah, he was. He was. He was a fantastic storyteller, man. Absolutely, an amazing, amazing storyteller. And the the thing about what was funny about him, he was on all the time. You know, trying, always thinking of the next big thing. What if? What if? What if? What if? He was Mister What If. You know. Um, yeah. So uh, we did a uh, we did an interview for another another project um, in Death Row in Tulsa somewhere outside of Tulsa, some big state facility, but it was a, um, it was a guy who had, it, it was a famous story, I don't know if you remember, years, Sean Sellers was the guy's name, he murdered his parents, uh, yep. you remember this? Yeah, Donna, Donna wrote about him in her book, Redeemed Unredeemable. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, so we mm -hmm. went to the place where, where he was, where he was uh, executed and, and whatever, and, and we basically retold the story, because Carmen was talking about the, uh, the dangers of the occult, how how it started yeah. nice and very, very very innocent for him, and eventually he ended up possessed and he murdered his parents, you know. So, um, so, but it was it was uh, you know we did the interview. We actually went into the into the chamber where, where they where they gassed him, um, and so um, he he you know he always he really did have a passion for people to come to come to know Jesus. He really really did sincerely. Um, you know, I've I've told Doug this. You know, I've worked in. And, and Joe, I'm sure you can relate as well. You know, when you've worked in, in Christian media for a long time, you 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 there's different types, <laughs> different types of people. You know, and and not to point any fingers or anything, um, but you, but it's not a given that everybody's doing it be, for the for the passion of seeing lives changed. You know, oh and, for sure, yeah. And, and when you come across those people, it's it's very obvious, very evident. And I can, I can honestly say that. I mean, sure, man, he's like, like every other man, you know, you got your good days and your bad days or whatever, but, but he was real. He, he loved the Lord and he loved, um, seeing people come to know the Lord for sure. That's you guys good. have any other stories that, uh, people might like to hear? Well, it depends. Are you ready for the big reveal? The big reveal. Let's, let's, you know uh, let's see before, the big, before you hear or see the big reveal. Before you, make, I, I, not, knowing knowing what I know, what what you have, uh, what you have spoken over the last hour or so, I I may have something. I don't know if it's going to be as big as reveal as yours, but I have something that I think I think you will appreciate for sure. Okay. Knowing what I know about you now, you're talking so, to me or Kenny? No, I'm talking to you, sir. You, Mister okay. Mister BB King. I'm talking about to, about you. Okay. Yeah. So let's do it. Let's no, do it. So, no. so, 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 Doug. Just so you know, I, I, I texted them. I texted everybody, and I said, you know, have and Kenny. I think you got this too, right? Have a get. Yeah. You know, have one of your guitars or a, or your favorite piece of. Did you not get this? I am so sorry. I no, well, I, I was didn't. gonna see if you had. It's okay. You had He's one, three one feet of, from like right. Sixteen <laughs> guitars. Right, Kenny? Yeah, one one piece of <laughs> your your piece of gear that means the most to you, or that has a a killer epic story tied to it. Is that is that doable? Yeah, I can do that. Very cool. Absolutely, I can grab. Okay, something. Joe, Joe's jumping yeah, at the bit. He's got, he's got something big. No, yep, no, no, I don't it. care. No, 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 Just no, 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 Joe, no, you're up. When you're, you're up. ready, you're up. We're ready. We're as ready as we can get, brother. Okay, you ready for the big reveal? Yep. 
Okay. So, like Rudy just said before we came on live tonight, he had told me via text, you know, grab your favorite guitar or your favorite piece of musical instrument or gear or whatever, and then be ready to tell a story. So, this is what I have. And I actually had to talk to my wife. There's a couple of runner-ups that I'll, I'll, I'll give shout-outs to. I have a 19... I'm not going to show them, but I have a 1973 Gibson ES-335 that belonged to my uncle. And the long story short, uh, it ended up in a pawn shop, blah, blah, blah. 40 years later, I get a phone call from one of my cousins. Hey, they're going to pawn... You're never going to see this thing again. Do you want to bail it out from Missouri? I called this guy at a pawn shop and I gave him like 1200 bucks to, to get it out of pawn and had my cousin ship it to Missouri. And then I had wow. it refret, rebuilt, restored. That was a runner up. I almost brought that one. The one that I nearly brought was my 2009 Telecaster. Or excuse me, in 2003, my wife bought me this yellow Telecaster. And it's got Lindy Fralin custom pickups. I actually talked to Lindy on the phone and had him do a nice. 6%, Kenny, a 6% overdrive in the bridge pickup so that <laughs> it would sound just like Albert Collins. Okay? Of course. I almost, brought, I almost brought that one. But I have something much, much better. In 1987, after a year of yearning and begging and pleading with my parents... My dad Oh, that's beautiful. Oh wow. I don't know what year this wow. is, but it was really old. It was really old when I got it in 1987. Wow. That's this is awesome, my very dude. first This is my very first electric guitar. It is very hammered. You could wow. shoot arrows, you could shoot arrows with the action. <laughs> <laughs> but I I got to tell you I got to tell you a story about this. I believe you'll find it fascinating. So this is under the Christmas tree in 1987. My dad and I and my mom and both of my siblings, so the five of us travel to uh, a downtown Portland revival meeting, and I cannot remember the name of the pastor, but he had a church in downtown Portland and a lot of the gang in real, real rough street territory type stuff, and he was doing a teen challenge outreach and a fundraiser, and he asked my dad to come and speak, and... So we end up, you know, an hour from home. We lived in Gresham, so it was almost an hour from home in traffic. And when we get home, now get this, this is like December 19th-ish, 1987. When we get home, my dad goes to open the front door and the chain link from the inside has been set. Are you following this? You know those little slide over little chain yeah. link lines? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. set from the inside of the house. Oh, I got you. I got you. So my dad peeks through and he goes, oh, no. <laughs> now, what he's seeing is gift wrap all over the floor. We've been burglarized. Yikes. Somebody has busted mm -hmm. into the house. They've ripped open a bunch of the... They're looking for anything big, whatever, whatever. They're looking just VCRs. This was back when you could pawn like VCRs and actually make 50 bucks, right? Yep, yep. Okay. So my dad goes, oh, no, they got us, Nita. And my mom turns around. She goes, what? She, we've, we've been broken into. They got us. And my mom immediately, oh, she starts weeping. And me and my siblings, we go in. We're, oh, we're crying. Just devastated. 
Now, my dad, he goes in through the back of the house. He opens up the front door. We go in, and I am seeing all of this gift wrap all over the floor. And my dad has the foresight to say, hey, don't be looking at stuff. I, I might have time to replace some of these things. Right. Now, I remember seeing part of a busted open box with a picture of a gorilla face. Kenny knows where this is going. I do. Yeah. It was a little gorilla face and a little box, and it looked like maybe a gorilla something. And my dad, hey, don't be looking at boxes. I might be able to replace some of this stuff. So my dad goes through the whole house. He's opening all the closet doors as fast as he can, and he's got a kitchen knife. And he's thinking, I don't know who these people are. It could be right. a meth head. Uh, you know, this is downtown Portland. Back yeah. then, it probably would have been more cocaine. Yeah. But... He's thinking, I don't know if we're alone. I got to make sure before my wife and kids relax in for the evening that we make sure nobody's in the house. Right, right. So, so my mom calls the police and he's going through the house with a kitchen knife, just opening closet doors and swinging doors open and saying, I'm coming. You better not be in here, blah, blah, blah. The cops show up and I'm standing there watching this officer who had a, uh, I don't know why this is like seared into my brain, but he's got this giant revolver. And man, it it must have been a thirty-eight police special with a long barrel. But I'm I'm just as a kid, you know, you'd never seen a real gun that close, right? <laughs> and I just remember thinking, this is like a real cop, like in the movies. <laughs> and he came to our house because we got broke into. Anyway, guess what? Of all the of all the VCRs and the electronics, whatever that they had ripped off and and stolen, guess what was behind the tree? Standing at, you know, three and a half feet tall and completely untouched. That guitar. The Harmony Rocketeer. Guitar. This guitar. <laughs> now, fast forward to, um, is this boring? No. Am I killing you? Is this taking too long? No, it's awesome. I know the story, though. It's a good one. It's a three-part <laughs> story. Mm -hmm. So that's part one. The second part's much shorter. When I was uh, 15... I decided to get this Epiphone Sheraton II. This was one of the guitars that I sold to raise money to buy a much better guitar. Wow. wow. Years later, I run into this guy that, that was a, a, a friend. He was a mutual friend of our family, and I was able to track him down via his parents. And I asked him, I said, do you still have it? And he said, yeah. And I, he, he, I said, I'll tell you what, I'll buy you a brand new Guitar, a brand new amp, I'll buy you anything you need as a setup, the whole thing, it'll be a total upgrade. Can I get my old guitar back? And he said, no big deal. So I went to the guitar center and bought him a new Strat with a new amp, a new gig bag, the whole works, and he brought me this back. Wow. Now this is the final <clears throat> and maybe the most spectacular part of the story. Fast forward to 2010. I think it was 2010. It was 2010 or 11. My parents are now living in Missouri. I am visiting their home, and I have stored this over at their house in their band room where my mom had a digital set of Roland TD-10s back when those were the big digital drums, Kenny. Yeah. And uh, I wasn't playing on it. I just leaving it there, leaned up on a stand. They have a total house fire, a total loss house fire. Do you guys remember this? Yeah. I know you remember this, Kenny, but my parents had this complete catastrophic total mm -hmm. loss, total, like total loss house fire. Everything. Mm -hmm. And um, 
We're going through the rubble, and I realize I'll never see my harmony again. Now, remember, I was nine years old in 1987 when I got this, and I'm thinking I'm never going to see my harmony again. Where did I put it? And we're digging through the ashes, and I mean literally digging through the oh, yeah. ashes. I got pictures of this. It's, there's no roof. It's just a big pile of rubble. And I, I work my end of, way into what was my parents' bedroom, and I think that this was in a case in their closet, and there is no evidence at all that there's a guitar anywhere. You cannot see any. It's just ash up to the knees, and you're standing on top of what used to be bits of the attic and the ceiling and all of that. And I'm just crushed, but I'm crushed about a lot of things. You know, all of my mom's keepsakes, all of my trophies from childhood, all the stuff my mom was saving to give my sisters and I throughout the years. It's all gone. Every, every little hand painting from kindergarten, it's all gone. So I promise I'm almost done. Um, I kind of make peace with the fact that I'm never going to see this guitar again. And I'm, 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 I'm remembering what it was and trying to accept the fact that it's all just stuff and you can't take it with you when you cash out. Okay, a, a goodbye to the Harmony. And right as the fire department came out, they, they came out and they put the house out. They came back a couple of days to put all the smoldering out, whatever. And then about a week after the house fire, this demolition team shows up in, in uh, Caterpillars. They're going to now start scooping up the ash and, and cleaning the lot and all of this. And I just had this feeling. I'm going to take one last stab to just see if I can find this thing. And I go in, and part of the closet was still kind of up on one end, and then it had burned down like this. And I start pushing on what I think is the back wall, and it turns out the back wall was actually a piece of plywood from the attic that had gone down like this and covered this up. This thing, wow. I'm like, this can't be. <clears throat> and you wow. guys remember those really cheap, back before they did gig bags, do you remember those really cheap cardboard cases? <laughs> totally, yeah. Oh, yeah. The car, get this, the cardboard case is completely gone. Somehow this, with ash sitting against it, has not caught on fire. Wow. Save for, right there, oh, yeah. the battle score. Do you see it? Wow. Yep. Yeah, that's amazing. And the headstock is totally, totally seared. I don't know if you can see that. <laughs> wow. wow. Wow, dude. That's cool. Yeah. It looks like dirt. That's actually the residues of the ash and stuff. Well, anyway, long story short, I pull this out of the house. I take it to a luthier and I said, I, I don't want you to fix this thing up so that it's amazing to play. I don't want it refred. I don't want it restored. I, I, I just want it as a souvenir and a keepsake. But will you clean it for me and maybe get rid of the smell? <laughs> and uh, so I got, he cleaned it up and he put a little bit of lacquer over that just to kind of preserve yep. it in. Yep. But somehow this thing survived a total loss house fire and is still with me 36 years later. That's amazing. That is that's amazing. Really so that's, good. that's my, that's my epic story. Dude, you know, awesome. we, we used to burn, uh, burn, burn albums, you know, because because they were satanic and right. so you put them in the fire and <laughs> right. like whatever, right? So this is kind of like the anti that. Right. Right. Yeah. It, it, it like came to you put it in the fire and, and Lu Lucille starts squealing and saying, I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> right. Right. That's, that's amazing, man. And that's and that's yeah. I've got I've got one back there that's I'm gonna I'm gonna go grab this guitar because I've got a story Do it. I've got I've got, he's a got a Kenny's got a story. I've got a Fender acoustic back there. I don't know if you can see it. See it there? Yeah. Uh-huh. So yep. that, that Fender acoustic was um, 
probably probably my second acoustic that I ever that I ever owned, and I had it I had it in in Miami when I moved to Nashville in '93. I want to say um, I had traded it for a bass guitar. I wanted to take a bass guitar with me to Nashville. You know, I completely lost track of it for gosh 25 years, and all of a sudden I I ran into the guy that I that I that I traded to, you know, a good friend of mine. And um, while while down in Miami, and the guy came, showed up with it, and gave it back to me. <laughs> twenty five years later. It was how many years later? Twenty five. Twenty five. And so it's incredibly sentimental. Oh, man. dude, it's not only sentimental, but the the wood is aged. You know, it's yeah, got so this amaz amazing. Oh yeah, it's got an incredible. It's, it was never an easy guitar to play. The actual action on it and right. stuff. But man, it, it sounds good, and yeah, the sentimental value. So I totally get your story, dude. I totally, totally get that. Wow. Well, like I played this thing on stage for my talent show, like in the <laughs> fifth grade. You know what I'm saying? Like I've got ten trillion <clears throat> memories with this uh, thing. Sure. I led worship when I was like, you know, fourteen, and uh, you know what I'm saying? Like I, I, I could go on and on, but yeah. but this one, be especially because my parents got it for me, and it was my first. It has literally Absolutely. no monetary. No monetary value at all. It wouldn't be worth anything, even no. as a collector piece, because it's totally. damaged. Yeah. It's missing yeah. the pick guard, whatever. But it's it's mine. It's an heirloom, and, I, and it's still with me. And yeah. I will keep it till the day I die. Of and then course. someday, my kids as kids, if the Lord tarries, will pawn it at a garage sale or something. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right. I mean, isn't that yeah. what all of this stuff ends up doing? Pretty much. We keep it. Our kids care, but it's by the loan. time you get like two generations yep. out, it's a garage sale. Right. Right. And I don't have any. I don't have any guitar players in my in my. None of my kids. The, the, my daughter is a singer and a songwriter, but none of them took up the guitar thing. So, I better start. I better start giving my stuff away when I get into my seventies or something. Hey man, know? if the Lord <laughs> should lead you to give some of your stuff away, man, just don't forget that your good buddy you Joe got would it. be happy oh, to help you with that. I was just gonna say, you know, next time you're in Colorado. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you this because I think I think Kenny has a, an epic story, and this is not a long story. So I'll, I'll just tell you this really quick because I know you'll appreciate this. So uh, a while back, I bought a I bought a a friend of mine was selling an, a a, uh, a silver uh, silver face Fender amp twin. To, uh, the t gosh, it's a twin, a 1971 twin verb, right? Silverface, <clears throat> and the, this guy was the owner of a <clears throat> cartage company, and he used to do a lot of the a lot of the, the stuff in the coast here, the you know Wilmington, Myrtle Beach, that kind of thing. Well, mm -hmm. this particular amp, this very amp, was used multiple times by BB King here in town. Oh, wow! Yeah, so there you go, Joe. <laughs> Nice, nice. Yeah, I'll send you a picture That's of it. Cool. See you later, I told boss. you. I told you. <laughs> I'll send you a picture. It's man, that thing is beat up. It's heavier than an elephant, and but oh, man, it sounds so good, you know. So anyway, Kenny, you're go, man. All right. So yeah, I, I didn't get the message on this, but I, I'm on the fly, so I'm going to show you. So when I was about 15, I just happened to have I was I was making uh uh. A picture thing for my mom's 80th birthday here recently so I had a I just happened to have this book sit down here so this is a picture of me look right at here. you yeah and that I'm about 16 years old and that's <laughs> my that's my my g70k Washburn yes, sir which was the most metal white Washburn guitar I saw it wasn't <laughs> it didn't sit on your lap very well right but that guitar was 
it was the really first guitar that I had that was really worth something and played. It had a, the Kaler uh, rolling tremolo system. I mean, it was a rock guitar, oh, yeah. man. So, and I, I was a rock guy, so that was what it hit. So I have that guitar. Now, I, I end up going to, I, I go off to Berklee College of Music I'm in Boston, and I'm around all these kids that have a lot of money. There were a lot of kids there that weren't really great musicians, but their parents had a lot of money. I'm not going to go into <laughs> right, that. Right, right. There's a lot of famous people that have kids that aren't very talented. That's all I'm going to say. Yep. I know them, and they're probably going to be mad at me, but I don't care. <laughs> they they should have practiced more. That's all I'm going to say. If my dad, if my dad was like uh, one of these famous people like that, I'd be a much better guitar player. Yeah. That's all I'm going to say. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. So, so I'm there, and, I, and I'm, all these kids are bringing in this new equipment, and I had this, you know, this Washburn guitar it was all funny looking, and that was my main <clears> guitar. So I, you know, had it, and I was like, I need to have. You know, when you buy a new guitar, and it just, it just has that. You want to play it. You want to play more yeah. because it's oh, that oh, new yeah. guitar. And I couldn't do it. I didn't have money, man. I was in college, and I was, you know, we're scraping by. But I had the guitar, so something hit me, and I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna go, and I went to a comic book store, and I, for literally like five bucks, I bought a bunch of comic book stickers. Now, that guitar that was super white that you just saw, this is me about 20 years old, and that's that same guitar. <laughs> you see, it is like a full-on cartoon guitar. I don't know how well you can see it, if I can blow yeah. it anymore, but you can see there's all kinds of stickers on it, like Public Enemy, it's a Scarlet Witch, it's got all this stuff on it, man. Oh, yeah. But that guitar became so recognizable, I just collage stuff on it it was so recognizable that when i started playing shows and touring with it everybody knew that was my guitar so now this is where it gets into it uh this guitar has been stolen not once not twice but three times stolen wow oh and my goodness man what it, it was stolen off stage at a show one time literally as i was playing I turn around to go get my guitar, and it's not there. And I'm looking at some of our guys at work with us, and I said, dude, where's my guitar? And everybody's like, it was just there. Somebody grabbed it out the back. They went, boop, crackhead, somebody. You know, this was some little barb. I mean, it was a lot of people. So I was devastated, man. And this was around, I want to say this would have been hmm, 91, maybe, 91. So I, I, I knew that guitar was gone. I was never going to see it again. And I had a show the next day, and I had to get mother other quit. So, you know, we don't know, we don't have cell phones and all this stuff. Right. So, you know, what do you right. do? You're, it's, it's gone. Uh, I'm at this club setting up, and the the people at the bar are like, hey, yeah, hey, yeah. Hey. So I get a, Kenny, man, you got a phone call. I get a phone call, and this guy goes, hey, man, are you missing something? And I went, yeah, my guitar got stolen. He goes, well, listen, I have it. And I went, how do you have my guitar? He goes, well, I'm not. I mean, I'm just gonna say this. I have friends that are crackheads, <laughs> and someone had stolen this guitar and sold it for 50 bucks to get crack or something, whatever it was at the time. And he says, "I have the guitar," and I said, "Dude, are you kidding me?" No, he did, and it was in great shape. He had taken it to his. He was a drummer. He'd taken it to his band, and he said. 
look at this guitar I got for 50 bucks, man. It's probably got this K.O. Tremolo. And they're like, every one of them went, that's KC's guitar. He's a drummer, drummer, man. He had no idea. He thought he just scored the the best, oh, this rock guitar. And then he went, no, it's not. They're like, no, dude, that's Kenny C's guitar. And he, but he's a drummer. So he didn't really pay attention to that stuff. So he called me up and and we got that. And so he he made, did he make you pay a hundred dollars for it? No, actually, 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 um, it goes a little further because somebody was tied to the band that was supposed to be watching this stuff. They paid for it because they felt like they, they should have been right, watching right. it. So they paid for it. Um, one time I did have it stolen out of our singer's car one time. That was a disaster. Uh, same thing. It ended up at a pawn shop and somebody had it and uh, they knew. People knew. They're like, oh, dude, that's Kenny C's guitar. So they grabbed it and saved it, called me up. And I mean, this is all in southwest virginia so you know i I, everybody knew who i was then so that's like three times this thing uh (laughs) i've seen it i've seen it thrown across a uh, thing there was a huge fight at a club one time we were playing at and i saw our sound guy literally grab my guitar by the neck and was swinging it at fighting people off that were coming at and i was like what is going on and i saw my guitar go across the room with somebody and i was like now it broke, but it was fixed. I've had the headstock's been broken off completely. So let's see. You guys have seen it and everything. Now check this out. That guitar eventually, I got to playing other music, but that guitar meant a lot to me. And I was like, so this is what this guitar looks like now. Uh, this many years. So at one point, it ended up in my mom's basement, and it was unplayable. And because it was a touring guitar, all the pickups were rusted out. The Kaler system was rusted out. Everything, it was a piece of junk, but it was mine. And I didn't ever right. want to get rid of it. Absolutely. So it sat in my mom's basement. So I had a girlfriend at the time who wanted to do something special for me. She called my mom. She said, whatever happened to that guitar? And she was like, I want to, I'm going to fix it. So she got with some of my students. Now the guitar looks a little different now, but I'm going to show you something here. This is that guitar. Oh, now. wow. Now, I put stickers on it the last couple of years. It's become my blurry guitar, yeah. but Judd's not here, but Judd is here. There you go. That's Very my Judd nice. sticker right there, man. Very nice. Oh, wow. And so I've I seen this guitar before. Yeah. When this thing was going, it has a little journey. I was going to say that journey right there. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's got, it's got some stuff on here. It's got some uh, Bigfoot blurry creatures. Very nice. There's a bunch of people on here. I've got all these uh, Look at that. Stuff. It's yeah. got a really weird... Uh, GK70 pickup built onto the back of this. This is a really interesting guitar. It's got great EMG pickups, but this girlfriend, she actually went and found somebody to find an original Kaler, just like it was. The rolling Kaler system. Yep. Man, they didn't make these. I, right. This thing stayed yeah. in tune better than the floating system. So I love this guitar and got it all together. And it actually says on the headstock, I don't know if you can see that, but it says Kenny C. K-E-N-E-D. Yep, that was my that was yep. my license plate in high school. Very nice. So Kenny-E-C. This is the Kenny C special guitar. I don't really play it out anymore. I took it for a couple gigs when I was doing some of the 80s journey stuff. And it looked cool and people like it. And I do tricks with it and stuff. But but this is like uh, this is like one of these things that it's gonna be my hard rock if I ever got that thing. That's part of I was gonna hang this guitar absolutely. up. So I love this guitar. I'm going to tell you what. As a rock guitar, it's fantastic. It's not really good for anything else. But rock stuff, my God. Oh, yeah. I learned to do all kinds of like eight-finger tapping with this thing where I'm doing like this. This fretboard is just set up for it. Yep. So I can do yep. all kinds of totally. tricks. 
I love it. It's not good for anything else. It's a rock guitar, but <laughs> that's my guitar. That apparently that's it's, my good, it's good as a weapon too. Apparently, right. it, apparently, <laughs> hey, the, it's been broken. I had it repaired. I'm telling you, I wish I could see this. This is even a funnier part of the story. I kid you not. This is a this is a crazy story with that. The fight that was going on, we were set, and the band I was helping, I was filling in. Our band was supposed to play a show, and our singer was really sick, and he couldn't sing. So we didn't want to leave the, the club hanging, so I took uh, some friends of mine to go play, and I said, I'll show up and jam. That way the people that come will be like, oh, it's cool. So they, they had a band. They were called Nastification. This is really crazy. The drummer of this band is Tommy Lee's sister from Motley Crue. No kidding. No, no kidding. She's eight months pregnant. She plays like Tommy Lee. She's completely pregnant, dude. Blonde hair. You'd have to. Her name's Athena. Athena Lee. A lot of people did not know that's who she was. It's a weird story of how she ended up in Roanoke, Virginia. But you know, she went back and got very. She got very big on some reality shows here in the last couple of years. And then she was married to James Kotick, who was the drummer for the Scorpions that just passed away here uh, maybe a month yep, ago. Yep. Mm. Uh, I just. I just. So. So he. Uh, she's been in this whole thing. She was on some kind of like the Wives of Hard Rock show and stuff. But she was the drummer playing for that band at night. We're filling in. So we're jamming on stuff. So I always tell people, I have this thing. I'm playing with, with Tommy Lee's sister, who's eight months pregnant. Man, just. And the funny thing was, she played exactly like Tommy Lee. Long and lanky and the, spinning the arms. <laughs> she was amazing, man. I always tell people it was really cool. It was one of those things that she didn't let people know who that was she was. I kind of found out because I went to her house one time with my buddy and they had these gold records and platinum records of Motley Crue. And I was like, what is all this? Yeah. She's like, ah, I don't tell people, but I'm Tommy Lee's sister. And sure enough, <laughs> she really was. So that's a weird connection. But I always think about that show. It was like, man, my guitar went flying. I'm playing a show with Tommy Lee's sister. Rock and roll. Heck yeah, man. And I'll, dude, I'll tell you this. It's funny to, funny to hear you talk about, you know, not funny, you know, but hear, hearing about your stuff getting stolen. You have, I, know, I know you guys have, have all... You know, Doug, you probably have too, Doug. How about you, you know, you've come back from a gig, you've been on the road, driven three, four, five, ten hours, and you get home and the last thing you want to do is unload gear from your car, you know? Oh, right. And, and, and I've been I've been in a situation where I, I was so tired that I just backed the, the SUV up to the house, and I'm like, they won't steal it. Go inside, get in bed, get up, up, come out, and put the, get the stuff out of the car because it just won't let me sleep, you know? <laughs> Oh, it happens, man. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You yeah, know, I that's one of those things people don't ever think about when, oh. with real touring, people would always, like, put their, their banners and stuff on their things, and I'd say, do not let people know you're a band. Yeah. Don't go into a place. Make sure you have a crappy U-Haul. Drag your stuff behind a really bad van. Don't let people know because you're just going, you're asking we for have it. thousands of dollars of equipment. You're asking for it. <laughs> you're asking for it. They're gonna look for you, man. They're gonna come to the hotel. And they're gonna find you, man. I'm I'm not kidding you, but you know that's things you learn as you go on. You're like, don't advertise that you're a bunch of dudes with a bunch of equipment yeah. that they can hack yeah. and, and fall <laughs> at the pawn shop. Yeah. yeah. Joe, what are you? All right, guys. Here, here's what we're here's what we're gonna do here for the, to kind of finish this thing up. I'm gonna I'm gonna give you some rapid fire questions. Oh, okay. So this is this is going to be uh, first thing that comes to your mind. And oh, we're going to go around in circles. And uh, these come from my kids. Oh, said, well, oh okay. What would you ask these kids? What, what would you ask these guys? So this is the kind of questions that, 
that you're going to get, all right? So we're going to start with some stuff that we've probably already talked a little bit about, and then and then it'll just get fun. So the first question, and we'll go, let's see, in, in my, my circle here, I got, I got Rudy, then Joe, then Kenny. So that'll be our order. Okay. All right, first question, how old were you when you started playing? Go for it, Rudy. Uh, 12. I was 12. Got a couple of... Uh... Uh, acoustic guitar lessons from the guy that at the time was my pastor. So yeah, 12. Awesome. All right. Joe? As I mentioned before, nine, and my dad was nine. showing me chords. Nine. Kenny? Uh, I was 13, man. I had a I had a uh, $45 no-name Sears guitar that I bought at a yard sale <laughs> because I was determined I wanted to play rock and roll. All right, so... So uh, Joe wins that one. Kenny loses that one. Yeah. <laughs> All right. And there's no there's no context or matrix for this. Know, right? It's just he just declares. Sure. Not. Yeah. Right. Okay. Next question. Did your parents' taste in music carry down to you, or are you totally different taste in music, Rudy? You know what? Um, to a certain to a certain degree, yeah. My mom, um, my mom was a Beatles fan and like totally tried to deny it, and I figured it out years later that she was convicted <laughs> but she she actually was a beatles fan in her very very young age and so uh yeah i guess there's a thread still to this day for me because uh, obviously you know all of all of us i'm sure love the beatles you know so yeah i would say i would say so to a certain degree joe uh no huh, not at all my parents liked old you know willie nelson and merle mm -hmm. haggard and the old gospels and stuff and i I was way into like Striper and Petra, and then eventually, <laughs> eventually the blues. Mm -hmm. So I, I, when I got into the blues, they kind of caught up later in life and decided they loved it there too. There you go. But I kind of introduced it to them. Nice. Mm -hmm. Any? Uh, you know, for me, um, my mom had a record player, and she had a lot of stuff that I would we would listen to, and it was there's a lot of the songs she, the group she listened to. She had like Three Dog Night. And Neil Diamond, uh, and I always remember the Rolling Stones Sticky Fingers album that had this like, uh, like it was like a, it looked like a pair of jeans with a zipper on it. And I always remember that as a kid. Like, what is this? What is this Rolling <laughs> Stones stuff? But you know what? I, I really, I was into a lot of more, I was into like, I don't know, kid stuff then, man. It wasn't, the rock stuff came in later, but I got to tell you, my mom was super supportive of whatever we did, and mm. she was the best rock and roll mom. I still have kids these days, bands that will say, I remember being on tour and your mom feeding all of us that where they come and stay with us at our house. And so she, she was very, she worked the door. She did everything, man. She, she loved the <clears> fact <throat> that we were practicing her house and make a lot of noise because she knew where we were, we were, at least we were there. All right. Who hey, won now, that you one? Gotta just give, I'm just kidding. You got to just give one one for this. Okay. Favorite live performance you've ever seen? Rudy. Hmm. I'll tell you what, man. Um, it used to be, because I'm old, it used to be, yes, the Big Generator Tour in 1987. Ooh. I'm going to 687. Mm. But I got to tell you, last, last year, two years ago? No, last year, I saw Billy Joel live. Dude. Dude, dude, wow. if you ever have a chance to see him live. Yeah, I got, I got to see him back in like 90. Yeah, unbelievable really show. So I would probably say Billy Joe, mm -hmm. in all honesty. Wow. Joe. Hey, was Liberty, was Liberty DeVito still playing oh, yeah, drums yeah, with him then? Yeah. 
Yeah. I, I've been teaching a kid, uh, a kid, a student, Allentown lately. Oh, really? It's a really fun drum party. <laughs> yeah, it's really cool. Yeah, it, you wouldn't think it'd be like, hey, man, let's jam Allentown. It's, it's a great drum party. Dude, man. it's, it's really just fun. musicianship all across the board at a totally yeah. different yeah. level. Yeah. 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 yeah, I agree. So now, is this any live performance you've ever seen on video slash live or actually No, it attended? has to be live. You have to have been there. Okay, that's easy. Um, you guys ever seen the movie Spinal Tap? <laughs> yes, of course. We okay. just talked about that. Didn't it's we, a silly, we, we were just talking about that. <laughs> it's a silly brain dead Christopher Guest comedy. I can't say that I, you know, officially that I would recommend that anybody watch it. <laughs> Let me just say that I saw it years ago. There's a part of it that sticks out. Remember that part at, towards the end where they're like Spinal Tap and Puppet Show? Yes. Where, yes. where, they're, where they're really, really past their prime and like nobody's attending. Okay. Right, right. In 2004, there was this club in Central Oregon that was hosting Walter Trout. Oh, wow. You guys know Walter Trout? Mm -hmm. Kenny, you know Walter Trout? I do. Uh, yeah. He's a giant titan in the blues. Yeah. But he's not, he's not like traditional old school John Lee Hooker. He's not playing acoustic numbers. He is like, he's like a ramped up Gary Moore. I mean, he's just over the top. Well, anyway, he was playing at this club. Long story short, my sister, my wife, my brother-in-law, we go, and we're expecting this place is going to be packed. There is our table with us four, and there is one dude up in the balcony sitting there like this. Oh, wow. And Walter Trout, it was basically a private concert. We got to sit anywhere we wanted, and there was no one there. And I felt terrible for Walter, but I will say this. Walter Trout played like there was a thousand people there. Yeah, yeah. Mm. that's amazing. He did the full set. He did the he did the volume swells with the violin esque, <laughs> you know, guitar manipulation tricks. He yeah. playing behind his head. He just did the whole show. So without a doubt, that is a fond memory that's, and I mean, probably that... my favorite show. And I got to meet him that night. And and his bass player at the time, Jimmy Trapp, he mm. actually said. I feel a little bit like we got spinal tap. <laughs> and I talked to this club owner who paid a fortune to get him there. He yeah. was in it like eight grand or something. He said, wow. bro, none of my marketing worked. Nobody knows that we're here. I don't know what happened. I've lost, wow. I've lost a wow. fortune on this deal. But wow. yeah. anyway, it was like a, pri it was a once in a lifetime private, cool. all, nearly one-on-one -on -one with Walter yeah. Trout. Wow. Kenny, what you got? <laughs> Uh, you know, for me, uh, I mean, I grew up in an area around in, in Southwest Virginia. We weren't a hot spot for a whole lot of anything. Um, but, you know, we had MTV, so I, that's why I got my rock idea. So when I moved to Boston, man, I was seeing bands every week, all the bands <clears throat> that were on tour. But I'm going to go ahead and say this because I'm getting ready to see them again next week here in Roanoke, but Extreme. Oh, yeah. Nuno Van Court, Gary Schroen, Pat Badger, that lineup. I saw them play, I can't even name one or two shows of theirs, because I saw them play live like 30 times in the whole time I was in Boston. Yep. That's where they lived. Yep. Yep. They would do shows all the time. But I'm telling you, I, I was at every show they debuted one of their hit songs at, where we heard it for the first time. I was at the show when they played More Than Words, and people were like, this is an amazing song. We didn't know it was going to be like a like a career killer for them in terms of like, if you don't know the story, but Extreme's second album, Pornography, it, it is the most returned album of all time. Not because it's bad, 
but because of that one song. Timing. Yep. That one song, everybody <laughs> thought was going to be like it, and they sounded right. nothing like that. The right. rest of it's like rock guitar, Van Halen, horns, and funky. It's crazy. <laughs> but that that song just killed it because people so it's like it kind of that that's what every record label but, wanted but, after but that. yet but yet it's become legendary at the same time oh know? no it's it's massive yeah. no it's great but i'm gonna tell you what i i've seen them play so many times live yeah. that to me they were like queen to me i i had never seen a band that as a four piece um had the harmonies and they could do Queen songs live. And I was just like, to me, they set the mold for the rest of my life of how good does a band have to be live? I saw it, yeah, man. Yeah. Have you ever, if you've ever seen the Freddie Mercury tribute concert mm -hmm. where mm -hmm. Extreme plays at, yeah. I'm going to tell you a story with that real quick. I mean, just a quick one. But they got asked by Brian May to come play because they knew how big a fan of Extreme all of them were. Yep. They, they, so Brian May invited them to play. Nobody really knew who they were, right? They're getting ready to go. They're flying over. They did not have time to work on the show. They basically created a medley as they were flying over, discussed it. They knew the Queen song so well that they got on stage, played this 15-minute medley of Queen songs on the fly. And it is absolutely stunning. If you can ever pull it up on YouTube, it's mind-boggling. Oh, yeah. It's like... They studied it so well wow. that they got up there and nobody realizes. And they're doing all the Queen harmonies live. Queen couldn't even do it anymore. <laughs> I mean, that's what was amazing. They were they knew it. And Brian May knew that it was going to – and they stole the show, man. I remember seeing that concert and Guns N' Roses and all these bands. And this little band from Boston got up there and just completely – showed everybody we are queen fans they were they were it unbelievable was, it was spectacular Absolutely. man but i saw them all the time like that and it it, it changed me so when i'm i'm kind of upset right now because this concert I'm, i got front row tickets for this vip concert next wednesday night it's not even sold out and they have living color opening for them. oh wow and i'm like <laughs> people they're like starting to give away I'd tickets for it. i'm like what I, I've been I've been on the internet telling people like you have to go see this. Yeah. You're gonna be you're gonna kick yourself if you don't go see this band because they're still doing it and it's amazing. So yeah. Their new I, I mean, their new record the the new record and I'm sure all you guys watch um, Rick Beato. I know that right. Yeah. Oh yeah. Do, do, oh, do yeah. you know him, Joe? Oh, yeah. Rick Beato. Who is it in Hell Huh? Rick Beato. Well, uh, He's a YouTuber. Yeah. Just amazing. You you would love the show. Um, yeah, you, you really would. Um, but yeah, he the his the new. You probably know this, Kenny. What's what's the new extreme song? The one with the guitar solo that everybody. The guitar is called Rise. Rise. Thank you. Rise. Yeah, it's it's yeah. it's the the first time in probably twenty years where people are literally buying a record. They lose their mind. Over yeah. It. yeah, it's insane. Yeah, yeah I saw yeah. I saw extreme on, on that tour. The the uh, the more than words. Uh, it's pornography. Oh yeah, right? the pornography. Yeah, yeah. 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 My, yeah. my girlfriend yeah. and I That's, went and saw yeah. them in. 90 what was it 91 i guess 91 yeah that was and about and, it. Yeah, and, that's right. and back then like talking about their harmonies do you remember the song teacher's pet yeah they pulled that off live with four people oh, and no, i have I, no idea how they did that it's it's if, yeah they've got the, the various harmony parts going yeah i just insane. think people you hear the album and you take it for these days people can't they don't do it no. man there's everybody's got tracks yeah. these guys were they live, did it live. that's why i love seeing that yeah. that's amazing yeah. so yeah yeah it's funny that rise solo I saw Nuno play, and I knew all his repertoire of tricks, 
So I thought when he first when I first heard it that he was doing a delay trick. Yeah. And I actually called. I, I did a video for Judd. Judd was talking. We're talking about yeah. it. So I showed him. I said, okay, Nuno's either playing it like this with this delay trick, or he's doing it like this, which is his real thing, because he can do it both ways. Yeah. And but but and even Rick Briato that tore it down and did a whole thing mm-hmm. on it. Stuff. But I sent it to Judd. Judd's like, I'm like, he could. Nuno can do yep. it either way. Amazing <laughs> solo. Jo- uh, Joey, you probably have never heard it. It, you know, it's really not your kind of thing, yeah. but you would be impressed with the technical aspect of it and what he's doing. It's uh, it's just mind-boggling. It really is. And it's cool because he kind of came back with that, and it kind of got people excited about guitar solos again, man. It's like yep. You know, yep. Eddie Van Halen has passed. You know, they're saying, music kinda... they're saying that there will be – I've heard this from several people – that there will be a resurgence in, um, in, in our type of guitar playing – um, in a few years, because during the yeah. pandemic, so many so many kids bought guitars and actually learned to play during the during oh, the yeah. lockdowns. So they're saying there's going to be a, yeah. a bit of a I'm boom. I'm going to tell you, I think with we've got this situation with AI going on. I'm hearing people create songs from dead artists that sound just like they're alive again playing new songs. Oh, yeah. We're going to see artists. We're going to see bands basically being virtualized. They're creating music. You won't even be able to tell the difference in this stuff. <laughs> yep. Let me tell you what's going to happen. People are going to know that you cannot, everything you see and hear might not be real. But there's going to be a thing where people are going to be like, I want to go see a person with a guitar That's and a right. mic. And they're going to sing and you're going to be, yeah. it's going, they'll pay for that. They're going to be like, I got the experience of hearing somebody with real talent, not somebody mixing up something yep. or creating some AI stuff because that's taking over. But it's going to have a twist to it. And I think the live music scene is going to really, um, there's going to be a whole other thing Absolutely. with that. I just, I, I totally believe that's going to happen. So Yeah. Or we won't see I have, it. I have, a, I have a quick question, and it's not, not my rapid fire, but just, just a real quick to see to see where you get where you guys are. Can you, can any of you guys, Kenny, I know you probably can. Joe, do you, do you have a, do you have somebody who has a newer guy, not, not somebody our age, but a young person that has impressed you in their playing? Let's say somebody under... Let's say thirty or under, um, oh, yeah. from the new generation. Who do you, do you have? Somebody, Joe? <clears throat> uh, there. Oh yeah. The, there's a guy on YouTube. His he he calls his YouTube. I don't know what his name is, but he calls his channel Stevie Snacks. And this guy is like, uh, I, I'm telling you, man, he is chop for chop tone execution. Literally a clone of Stevie Ray Vaughan. So on one hand. You could make the argument he's not original, right? But on the other hand, he is a real human being who has mastered the sound mm. and the tone and the style. And I mean, this guy is sure. a monster. Worth listening but, to. But you have to go to YouTube because, like, I don't, I don't know a lot of players mm-hmm. out here in in uh, Missouri where I live, Podunk. You know, it's almost like living in Mayberry, Andy Griffith's Mayberry. And there is no scene out here for music where I'm at, so it's no. But that's that's what I'm ask, that's what I'm referring to. That's totally what I'm referring to. That, but yeah, in, in, online, in, sure. And and there's tons of them. And there's Chinese kids that are seven years old that can oh, play Mario yeah. Brothers upside down with tap modalities. Yeah, yeah. And you're oh like, yeah. If you want to be humbled really quick, yeah. as soon as oh, you yeah. think you're good at something, go on YouTube and look at some of these kids, and it'll humble you right away. You know. Yeah. yeah. There's tons of them. Yeah. Yeah. Really what, what about you, Kenny? And, and you know what? And I, I, I'm going to write it here. I'm going to because I know I bet you I know who you're going to say. I'm going to write it right here. And then I'm going <laughs> as to proof that he that he guessed I knew. correctly. Yes. Right. All right. So go go ahead. Who who is a young player that is impressing you these days? 
I'm, I'm afraid I'm, I might th throw you for a loop. Uh, for me right now, I think the best guitar, I think he may be the guest, best guitar player on the planet. <clears throat> and he's under 30. His name is <clears throat> Matteo Mancuso. Did you write that? <laughs> yep, that's it. Yeah. I'm going to tell you, man, if you've never oh, no, seen no, no. this kid No, I'm play, sorry. Who did you say? Matteo Mancuso. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I said Matteo Sato. Who is it? Sa Matteo Sato. No. Do you know him? Oh, I know him. No, no, he, Ma Mario Sato, he's really good, too. Yeah. Oh, no, no. But that, I, know, I know who you're talking about. Yes, I know who you're talking about. Yeah. yeah. Uh, go look up this Mario kid, man, because he, he um, oh, my gosh. It's hard to explain. Yeah, yeah. He does not use a pick. He uses yes. fingers like yes. classical style on an electric. Yeah. And he plays pieces that should not be able to be played. Yeah. And I've watched him improvise in a battle with Steve Vai and some other people, and you're watching his fingers, and you're like, I think he just did a thing on maybe Rick Beato here recently. Yes, and, and in uh, fact, he, I think he called him the, oh is this the best guitarist in the world, if I'm not mistaken. I'm yeah, telling he, you right that, now, yep. when you see it yep. and you yep. go, I know the technical ability to try to do that, I've been blown away. I've been watching him for probably 10 years um, doing a lot of jazz stuff, but he plays everything. I watched him do the um, the Steve Vai Crossroads duel <laughs> with this with yeah, fingers yeah. no pick yeah. the hard pitch yeah, goes yeah. and they're so clean you're just like yeah I, it just but it humbled it humbled me. absolutely wow. so yeah that that guy is worth checking out because i don't i haven't seen anybody at that level yeah. in years doug, so. doug what about you the other question, guy you're man. talking about good is really question. good too good question i can tell you and i don't know if i'm getting ahead of you or stealing from your rapid fire but i can tell you uh who my all-time favorite guitarist is this was one of the questions Kenny, that was oh, asked. Kenny's like going like this. What? <laughs> easy Tiger. <laughs> I, I won't get ahead of you. Come on, Liger. <laughs> yeah, Easy Tiger. <laughs> Favorite guitarist? No, I, I don't want to get ahead of your rapid fire. No, no I was just going to ask Doug the same thing. Oh. Doug, do you have a, a, a I'm younger... I'm just throwing that out so I don't forget later. Okay. No, I was going to tell you my, my favorite uh, concert that I went to. Oh yeah! Very surprising. Sorry, I'm it was very surprising you. to me. It was a, it was a Howard Jones concert. Really? I could see that. Oh wow! Oh, okay. Back in, back in no, like eighty eighty nine, probably. You know, he so he's still really popular, but you'd think they'd be at some you know big stadium or whatever. No, little cafe. There was like hundred and fifty people there. Yeah. It was him and a piano and a girl playing like bongos. Wow. Those are the best, man. Absolutely. And we were sitting at a table, and it was just amazing dude i bet absolutely surreal i bet such a good songwriter yeah. amazing songwriter had no idea that no idea the musical ability of that guy so i was really surprised and it's probably funny right, because dude. if you probably hear him live you realize that he has a lot more hits than you realize you knew <laughs> oh yeah oh, he, oh yeah he's got oh, a yeah. ton of hits. Yeah. Ton of hits. all right so let's go uh favorite female artist real quick okay uh rudy artist Wow, dude. Female uh, artist. Uh, Taylor Swift. No, wrong. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> man, uh, you know what? To be perfectly honest, pound for pound, man, I'm going to say, I have to. I just have to say early Mariah Carey. Mariah Carey. Er, Joe. Early, yeah. Man, I'm sorry. Um, I know I'm going to kick myself later for not thinking of something really quick, but I, I, I'm just blank on this one. Kenny. Uh, you know, if it's for classic stuff, as far as I would say, singer, and Wilson. Oh, from dude, Hart. yes, yeah, yes, that's yes, what I was yes. Say, and yeah. for guitar, Nancy, those two yeah, were I... just like the Wilson yeah. sisters, man.
Nancy and Ann, yeah, I'm going to go with those two. All right, favorite male artist? Um, okay, um, for me, it would have to be Tommy Shaw, in all honesty. Tommy I like Shaw. Tommy Shaw. Inter- yeah, interesting. Oh, Joe, what do you got? This is such a brute, you know, you just, to, to, to pick one. One, you got one, it, you got one, oh. only one. If I had, yeah. Okay, if I, if I, okay, not, not a guitarist, because that's a very special question. No artist, but right. but but a musician in total, factoring in the importance of what they did in ministry, probably oh. Keith Green. Oh wow! Nice, nice. Make it see that. Nice. Yeah, absolutely. Kenny, what you got? Prince. Yeah, Prince. Prince. Bottom line, man, that dude, that dude was musical genius. So prolific, man. We're probably never going to hear every song he ever wrote or recorded. Just so love much it. good stuff. I, I love so. when he did the uh, when when Prince did the uh, when George Harrison passed and they did the rock and roll Hall of Fame thing and Prince walked out and just decimated that solo. They didn't even know what was going on. <laughs> have you right, seen that? Right. Doug, have yeah. you seen that? I have oh, seen that. Yeah. Gosh. Yeah. yeah. It's amazing because I had my guitar gently weeps right. Yeah. What's yeah. that? Yeah. Well, my guitar gently weeps. Uh. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Well, I had students come in the next day and everybody's like, "Hey, man." I didn't know Prince could play guitar like that. I'm like, yeah. Well, if I'm not mistaken, there was a little bit of drama over that because I believe he had just been snubbed by some big poll of the top Mm. guitar players in the world or something like that. And he came out and made a statement over it. Oh, he made a statement. (laughs) Hey, at the end of that thing, he's playing the solo, and he lays back on the crowd, and he's playing the guitar, and the guy's holding him, and he pushes up, and he hits the last note, and he throws the guitar in the air, and you don't see it come down. Yep. Yep. He walks off stage. That's how he ended it. You're right. He didn't even look. He didn't even look. What he just did I just see? It's amazing, yeah. man. It yeah. is. <laughs> if you're not, have right. you seen we that all know the real answer is. What's that, Doug? I said we all know that the real answer to this question is Dan Fogelberg. So right, of course, I, I mean, I we went beside him. Yeah. We were talking about beside <laughs> him. You know, right? That was Bill Fogelberg. All right, favorite band. Kenny, we already know it's extreme, so you don't even have to answer. <laughs> I can do another one. <laughs> favorite band. Um, it's For me, it's a really close toss-up between Damn Yankees and Giant. Very, very, very Gosh. close. Very, very Dude, between. me and you need to talk. I love Damn Yankees, man. Tommy Shaw, that era. I got to see them play live, and it's, it was spectacular. You need to I, listen to their, I, I their duet stuff. Have you listened to the Shaw Blade stuff? Yes, yes. I've seen all that. They've got some great yeah. covers on that stuff, too. No, oh, yeah. I, I am a yeah. big Tommy Shaw fan, man. He's Huge. fantastic. Yeah. So that's mine. That's right. a possibility. Joe, Joe, you got one? Oh, it's impossible, but <laughs> because, you know, it's just impossible. Because there's different genres. There's different one. Te- you got one. Life. You got there's, one. There's seasons. You only where... got one. No, one. I know. So, no so again, it doesn't matter. One, barring, barring, <laughs> all you know. That being said, considering what was done in ministry, which is always really important to me, I would have to say both in terms of personal experience as well as having gotten to meet John Schlitt to know the heart of the people behind oh, the nice. music. Yeah. Mm. Uh, Petra, as cliche as that may sound, they were just a titanous force and pioneers for a lot of what is now. Uh, um, able to happen in Christian music because of the the fact that they absolutely. took those hits. Dude, so absolutely. I love I love Petra and in particular the John Schlitt and Forward version. I've never met Greg X Volts. I I was never a crazy wild fan of the really old Petra stuff. So 
I'm not a true Petra fan online. <laughs> but I loved everything. Wake up, call and forward. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to have to say Muse is the correct. Oh, yeah. That's yeah, dude. Absolutely. absolutely. Heck yeah. All right. Let's see. Uh, what, what do we got here? How about your. Okay. Here, here, here's a good one. Eight tracks, cassettes, records, CDs, or streaming. <laughs> oh, I've had them know. all. I'll tell, What's I'll tell the you. best? What's the I've best? Had them all. How about that? Well, it, okay. So, so that's kind of. There's only one best. To... There's no, this isn't a debate. It's just which one is it? No, no, it's, not a, it's not a debate. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, are, we talking, are we talking about? Are we talking about to just listen to? Which because is you got to remember, it doesn't matter. It, it, the criteria, is the Rudy, is just it, the, well, best. the best. That's the criteria. That's it. All the... <laughs> I hate you. I'm no, I know. There's no contact, <laughs> but the best. Go. Okay. The best. It would have to. It, obviously, it would have to be vinyl, man. You know, it would have to be. Yep, that's what but, I, w I would think you would probably all say. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, I would say CD. I would say yeah. CD too. I hate to say it. Hate to say it. Yeah, the, but the record, the records have got the a special place, man. They they do have something special that CDs don't, but CDs yeah. just sound better. Sorry. Well, I, I mean, it is, it, is I a, it is a better format, like that, but whatever. Well, it's the the, the digital aspect of it. Obviously, yeah. has so many yeah. values. You know. Mm -hmm. Best album of all time. Oh, I've got I've got one, and I can defend it to the death. Do it, do it. Def Leppard Hysteria. Wow, Def Leppard that's Hysteria. A good, that's a good one. Yes, dude. Yeah. Yes, and 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 the the production the production behemoth of that thing oh. was was unbelievable. You can make a documentary on the production of that record, and in fact, I think they have made documentaries. They probably have. I mean, oh, sure. Mutt Lang's genius work at its finest. I mean, in every aspect, they blo they broke ground with like. You know, a drummer who had just lost an arm and completely revolutionized his way of playing, yeah. so he could play yeah. live. Yeah. The, the the stacking <clears throat> of the vocals, the, the 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 recording techniques, the engineering. The I mean, it is it's a masterpiece of a record. Mm. You know, mm. Joe, what you got? Again, I'm just gonna say one that I could that I could get behind, but it's an impossible ask. <laughs> you know, okay, one, one. Uh, okay, to keep it moving right along, Phil Driscoll's Power of Praise. Oh, that's a that's a nice choice, dude. That's absolutely, nice that's a that is a great record, and I I love his music. Absolutely. What do you got, Kenny? You know what? I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with Joe on this one on a a uh, for for a, a, a group <laughs> and an album that I I loved and I still play and love, and that is Striper to Hell with the Devil. Yeah. There. Yeah. yeah there that, you go. That's that album has a song on it called More Than a Man. That's that, right. If I'm in a concert there and I'm singing that song, I will openly cry, man. The words of that song are are just they just hit me every time. And when you hear a whole crowd of people singing it, but yeah. that album meant a lot to me. It just kind of you know it's not for everybody. A lot of people just don't. But to me, that sound and I it just it, it resonated with me uh, that year and that that time of my life, '85, '86, man. Did you see the tour? Um, What's that? Did you see the tour? That, that oh tour yeah, I've seen. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I probably saw every. He probably went Striper. on every to every tour date. He probably went yeah, to yeah, every yeah. one. I yeah, see Striper I a lot. I see oh, yeah. Striper. I have stories. Hey, I actually one of the first times I saw Striper, White Lion was opening for him. Really? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I missed the Bible that got thrown in the air. I, I have one. Hey, I, I have one. No, I have one. one. I have one now. But you know why I have one now? Because the manager of Striper used to play in a band. <laughs> 
that I used to do stuff with years ago, and now he's the manager of Striper. And he saw me posting so much stuff, so he sent me a thing. He saw me talk about the story. I never had a Striper Bible, and so they sent me one. So I have one of the new ones. I have I have a Striper Bible now. I was like, oh. That's awesome. That's good. All right. The 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 best song best best album of all time is Dan Fogelberg's double album, The Innocent Age. Of course, absolutely. It's got all it's got all the hits on it, but it it's unbelievable. That that album is just so ridiculously good. I can't even tell you. You know this whole process is rigged (laughs) because because Doug had time. being familiar with the questions to kind of put some thought into this. Favorite artist that everyone else hates. Oh. Oh, yeah. It's the same one. Well, okay. Striper? (laughs) (laughs) Nobody nobody gets it. They're always like, they don't get it, man. I'm like, oh, man, this is, you know, whatever, man. Mine's going to be a mixture of, of, mine's going to be a mixture of Winger and Nickelback. Winger, <laughs> Nickel Wing. Nickelback. Nick, yes, Nickel everybody Wing. hates Nickelback, man. Winger back. Yeah, Winger um, back. Yeah. No, those those are great, man. It's like I said. I, um, yeah. You know what? I will say this. A lot of people don't don't aren't into extreme. I love extreme. I think they're fantastic. But a lot of my friends don't get it. They're always like, I don't, I don't care. It's, yeah. I love it, man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> totally. I can't think of anyone that I love that is hated. So that's the that's the difficult part of that one. There you go. There you go. I'm, I'm having troubles with this Joe. one too. I have uh, troubles with this one too. I can give you someone. Oh, oh, okay. Kenny C. <laughs> My favorite artist that everybody else hates. Wow. You know. Wow. You know. Hey. No. No. It's a, It's 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 okay. It's fine. I I don't care. They all. Love all right. Me. This this is a good question for from a kid. Album, listening to albums. Or playlists? Mm. Oh, albums. Oh, albums all day. That's easy. Tell the kids why that's the case. Well, there's several reasons. There's several reasons. First of all, first of all, when you listen to a to a record, you have everything like liner notes Mm -hmm. that went with it, the packaging, just the whole experience of you know. It was. It was. It was. What? It was like watching, like reading a book. I mean, it was a. It was a journey. Chapter. You know, that's right. That's right. So I would probably say I would probably say that's it. That if it, especially if it was especially if it was a, a concept record mm-hmm. and a lot of records were concept records, even if they didn't call them that, you know, because right. Right. It, the first thing when they would interview the bands, the first thing that they would talk about was the writing process. And they would say, yeah. I was, at a you know, at a time of my life where I was coming out of this, that and the other. So if they approached it like that, it already was a concept record, even if they didn't call it that. So, yeah, no, all day yeah. long. Yeah, there's one yeah. coherent mood that you're in. One coherent mm-hmm. stream of, of similar artistic expressions. So, like, if you're in the mood for Tom Petty's Full Moon Fever, mm-hmm. you don't want to hear just Won't Back Down and then jump over to Mariah Carey. Like, right. you want right. to have right. the, the, the experience of the whole album. And the same could be said about Albert Collins or any, anybody mm-hmm. that you're in the mood for. You put mm-hmm. that yeah. album in, you get the whole one-hour journey, and then maybe you switch discs. A playlist... I get it, cause like my wife's big into them, but it just seems to even when you pick genres, it just seems to jump all over the place. And mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, agreed. All right, greatest guitar player of all time. There's only one. This was Joe's question earlier. Okay. Can we Who go is backwards? 
Yeah, let me keep going. Wait, you want to go first, Rudy? (laughs) I'm going to go last. (laughs) (laughs) Greatest guitar player of all time. Um, So, okay, in in context, obviously we could sit here and talk about it to 10 hours on this. Forever. In context, context, for the biggest contribution all the way around, I have to say Eddie Van Halen. I have to. Oh. Not necessarily because he was the best at every single thing or whatever. No, but, I get it. But from 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 a, from a full impact on the rest of the music planet of the rock the, the guitar planet, it, ha- it has to be Eddie. That's that's interesting. Right. What you got, Joe? Okay, again in context, there's a lot of runner-ups with a razor's edge, very close. But if I had to just pick one de facto, and not for the reasons Rudy is citing, this is not about he changed the industry. He he you know, recolored the complexion of the entire landscape of everything guitar, but just as a personal, it's got to be Gary Moore. And there is nobody on this planet that I more followed towards the middle of my pursuit to be something on the guitar that I grabbed every nugget of tone and style. So... You know, I got to being much faster than BB King and much more complex than some of the runs that Stevie Ray Vaughan was doing. Whatever, yeah, it's got to yep. be Gary Moore. That's a good. Gary that's a good. Moore. That's a good pick. You know, you got, it's Kenny? funny. I was just teaching somebody some Gary Moore the other day, man. I kind of it came up in a conversation. I was like, "Have you ever heard Gary Moore?" And they're like, "No." And I played it, and they were like, "He had a lot of stuff too, man. Not just he had his blues side, his rock side. Yeah, you know, yep. it was just Absolutely. a little bit of everything." Um, He's a master. What was the question again, basically? The greatest what? Greatest guitarist of all time. And you can't say yourself, Kenny. You can't say yourself. <laughs> no, I know I'm not. I'm not. I would, I would definitely say uh, Joe Horn before me. But Oh, you know what? Uh, That's very kind because I was being mean to you a minute ago. I redact I read my meanness. Just remember the Smoking guitar duel Horn. that happened a couple years ago. There was no question who won. No. Especially since the end of it got edited. Your daughter calls that. That's one of my best things ever. It is. I love it. Um, you know, honestly, man, it's it's hard for me to pick one person because I like so many different things. It doesn't but, matter. One, you got but one. One, you got one. one <laughs> I would have to say, it, it would it would have to be Eddie Van Halen because I think he he just changed the landscape of what people were doing. You go back and listen to it, man. It was it was. It was rock and roll. It was 50s rock and roll with just, just you know, crazy, all this stuff, man, it sounds. I, I can tell you, for me, when I first heard Van Halen, it wasn't any of the first three albums. I heard uh, Mean Street's intro was the first thing I heard for Van Halen. That's just, that, I, I got it from my, my brother, and yeah. I stuck it in. I was like, what is this album cover? Uh, Fair Warning. Had the guy with a fist, and he's fighting, and I threw it on, and here comes that. He's doing that riff, and I was like, what am I listening to? It yeah. blew my complete mind. I had no idea, but I knew <laughs> it was guitar. And that right there, I was hooked. I was like, okay, man, you, you got me. And what's and- insane, man, what's insane about that is that the vast majority of these legendary uh, licks and solos and everything that people spend entire lifetimes trying to learn and, and perfect were improvised. Yeah. They've rolled oh, up and yeah. played again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, it's like... No, it just flows out of him, man. No, he actually, it's, he was he was a joy to watch. Learn. Yeah. I mean, I've heard people talk to me who didn't like his personality and all these things. And I said, I don't want to, I don't care right. about his personal life. I don't care what stuff. All I was like, when he played, I felt it. 
When I watched yeah. him play, he had a joy exactly. of nothing else. When he was on stage, man, he was in the yep. moment. Yep. He had it. I love it. That's just yep. yeah. I agree with I agree with uh, with with, with uh, Rudy. You, you guys uh, already I, said Eddie. I I would have said Eddie since you guys have already said Eddie. I'll I'll just throw in a different name in there and just see. I just want to Dan Fogelberg. No, not Dan Fogelberg. <laughs> Chet Atkins. Oh, yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah, I'll give you that. Yeah, absolutely. 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 Yeah, yeah. without a doubt. It's interesting that you two both said Eddie Van Halen, but citing what he had done historically to change the landscape, but neither of you said Jimi Hendrix, which. No, right, I, right, right. It's a tough you know sell when be, you're I, trying to pick I, one guy that changed the it, world. It really guitar. is, because it could, it, could have been, it could have been Jimmy, it could have been Jimmy Page. You know, Jimmy Page. Hey, yeah. Jimmy Page wrote every good lick there was. They, I, there's so many songs that I got chord progressions from <laughs> that were from Zeppelin. I can tell you, how did you learn your first major seven chord? Wasn't a jazz song. It was in uh, Ten Years Gone, a diminished chord. It was from Ten Years Gone. I yeah. learned those chords. Yeah. And I, they weren't. Rock, they weren't. They were jazz chords. Yeah. I, I heard them in rock context. So. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, that's a tough, it's tough to nail that. It, it is a tough one. It is a tough one. And, and the, but just for the record, the name ran through my mind. But yeah, no, I'm, too, I'm, too, I'm too much of an '80s child. I had to go with Eddie. <laughs> yeah. And I'm gonna All be right, honest. I'm gonna be honest with you, Jimi Hendrix. I did not get until I was older. When I went to school, I thought Hendrix was sloppy, was not in tune, and could technically not handle anything I was throwing. And I used to be like. How, why are people getting this? I was like, it's terrible. Word He's for word. But you know what's funny is, I had somebody at school that really set me down and said, I want you to experience it like this. And it wasn't drugs. It was like, he said, you got to listen to it for a thing. And then I got it. And yes. Then I realized what he was bringing to these chord voicings and stuff. Absolutely. And I went, All right, Absolutely. I got it. I got it. Yeah. I'm a huge fan yeah. now. I, I love it. It's fantastic. Same exact thing for me. It, 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 took, it took a bit. Uh, there was a certain amount of... of uh, age maturity and musician mu musical maturity that it took to really get the genius Absolutely. of Hendrix. It's like, it's like yeah. listening to Coltrane or something like that. Like you oh, don't yeah. just jump right into that. No, absolutely. Absolutely. You have to understand yeah. that there has to be a certain amount of maturity yeah. to understand it. You, yeah. you know who Clapton is on record as having said influenced him greatly and, and, and talked about like we're doing with, with Hendrix was uh, Roy Buchanan. Remember him? Oh yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, that guy, that did. guy, check him out, man. He played a Telecaster. That guy ended really tragically hanging yeah. himself in a jail cell, yeah. but was a phenomenal player. So, anyway, I just wanted to give give you guys the little chance to, if there's anything you wanted to, to uh, tell the people or tell things, what, what you're doing these days or, or uh, anything you'd like people to look up or, or whatever, now's the opportunity. Who's first? We'll just keep the How order. You? Go, Rudy. Yeah, yeah, go ahead, Rudy. Well, I'm working on this podcast with Doug Van Dorn. Well, no, um, anything in this, in this, because you're you're kind of a guest in this one, Rudy. So, like, yeah, if there's anything that you have. Well, I'll tell you. I'll tell you this. Um, I have. I've gone. Um, I've started my own content creation company this this year. The the Lord's kind of led me in that direction to venture out on my own, and He's done it. I mean, overtly by bringing new relationships into my life you guys you know and so many other people um and it's been wonderful i mean it's been a total total gift and so a lot of things happening i'm juggling you know i need i need a, three more arms to be able to, to juggle it all successfully but um a lot happening a lot coming a lot on the way and 
excited, man. Nothing really to pitch right now because a lot of the – I tell people I've been given a lot of bricks to build things with, so I'm mm-hmm. building stuff with <laughs> right now. But there will be – there definitely will be stuff, and, and I'm sure we'll be we'll, – we're working on some stuff together too, Doug, you know, so there will be stuff that we'll be unveiling as we go. So Yep. And, of course, I want to know, times. as you reveal, oh, I want to be in touch so that I can. Of course. Absolutely. <laughs> got to give me a heads up. Give me a heads up. It's coming, you know. Of course. Absolutely. For sure. Joe, how about you guys? Um, I would kind of echo part of what Rudy said in that I don't have any specific projects that um, that I would pitch at this time. If, if somebody wants to follow the flagship program that I host, they are welcome to come to skywatchtv.com. And look us up. If you were fascinated by this conversation, you will not find that at Skywatch TV. We handle hey, a lot that's of... not true. That's not true, man. Occasionally it's coming. It's coming. Yeah, yeah. With the exception of Kenny C. Right. That's, you know, y'all adding something to the mix. But I want to thank you and Rudy both for having me on. This was a lot of fun. And I've never been asked to talk about these types of things before. So it was a real pleasure. <laughs> Good. Kenny. You know, honestly, uh, I'm just, I, I teach, I teach music. And, and, um, so if a lot of people, I, I love it. I feel like God has put me in a place. He allowed me to, um, venture into a lot of things that I never thought about doing before. I mean, I've had, um, two presentations on Skywatch TV and I mean, I'm just a music teacher and loves Jesus, man. And I, I've had an opportunity. I got another one coming out on a new uh, thing coming pretty soon. I just turned it into Joe and them. I, I have uh, I have a great relationship with uh, with Skywatch. I don't know what's going to come from that, but I love the family and I, I support everything they do. Uh, I'm teaching. If anybody wants to reach out to me, you can reach me um, through Facebook. It seems to be where I get the most attention and get a lot of stuff on there. The Rock with Kenny C. Uh, com. Uh, I'm terrible with websites, but if you look on Facebook, you can write me on there <laughs> and find me. You can't miss me. I've got a lot, a lot of stuff on there. But, yeah, I'm teaching, and I am writing, and I'm working on a lot of things that hopefully this next year there, there's going to be some stuff. And um, we'll talk, but come find me on Facebook. i got a lot of stuff happening. That's awesome. That's awesome. Good deal. What well, about you, you Doug? Know- well, well, me. I'm Doug. I'm, better be practicing because he has a lesson tomorrow morning. With yeah, exactly. Yeah, homework. You that's do why, homework. That's why I gotta get. Up, that's why I gotta get off of the show. Hey, right hey Doug, what song are you working on right now? <laughs> it's not Fogelberg. What is that's it? That's right. It's not Fogelberg. No. He's learning solos, guitar solos, man. Really? Yeah, he's what, so into it, man. What, what are you getting? Are, are, are you starting with like a like a pen, minor, dude? Minor I'm so or? I'm so bad. It's just it's just not good. Dude, he's learning to bend. He's yeah. getting some stuff. Yeah. Oh yeah, dude, it's it's fun, man. Hey, we spent well, weeks doing Fogelberg, and I want to tell you what I really learned. I, we can make we can joke about it, but Doug really did stir the pot for me for. Firing up Fog- how good Fogelberg works. I I just think he was under the radar for me. Yeah. Absolutely amazing. I love that style. It's really neat to hear. Um, but Doug, yeah, he's like all of a sudden. And Doug is a closet metalhead, like hair metal band guy. So oh, yeah. don't don't. Everybody's like, what? He's going No, he pulled out the stuff. We're we're working on a White Lion solo right now. And which one? Happen and stuff. Uh, Wait. What, you want to tell him which one is it? No. Children. When the when the children cry. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, that's perfect. That's, that's perfect. a great bend. Really Absolutely. slow and good bends. Oh, that's perfect. 
You know, it's good. We were doing some Tesla too. We've been working on some fun things. So. Nice. Yeah. Well, <laughs> dude, I didn't know you had it in you, brother. That's awesome. I, I just want to say I, one I thing. I just want to say one thing really quick. To be the last thing I say, Doug, you made a comment earlier about how you you know you don't have you said something like you know I'm not any good at this. I'll never be any great at this. Something that you were you were kind of like putting it out there that you didn't think you were going to make it very far in the guitar or something to that effect. Is that right? You said something, well, yeah, you were disparaging your talent true. or something. Yeah, huh? because it's true. <laughs> okay, okay. Let me say this, and I'm being sincere. Kenny C has taught my daughter various piano things. Kenny C, I've watched him for several years, what he does with some of the other students that might have even said the same types of things. And he is like having access to a Satriani-esque, top shelf, master of masters. So... He's a really good shot at helping you navigate whether that's actually true about yourself or if it's oh, just I, that you're I agree. I, I have much more hope for my 12-year-old, though, than I do for myself. <laughs> <laughs> hey, she really is, man. She has talent. It's, it's, I'm, I'm impressed. I can't wait to see her like get her first band started. It's going to be great. Yeah. <laughs> it's coming, man. That's you know, amazing. guys, we could, talk, we could talk seriously about this for I know. forever. It's good, man. So, yeah. There's so there's so many things to talk about with music that we didn't even get into, but this is a I know it's a good start and it's a fun place to start. Just let's do it again, talking about talking about rock and talking about guitars and I just love it. So I'm really thankful you guys have come on the show tonight. Well, thank it. you, thank you, man. Enjoy. We're it. calling we're calling this episode Giant Guitars. Giant, Giant guitars. I like it. Guitars. I, like it. I love it. It's and, the, and you know the explanation. You know, and the the the, the, uh, the description or whatever. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> it's like you know the ph the phenomenon that men in their forties and fifties that you know are into giants are also into heavy metal guitar. <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing I've learned so much about all these people that I love theological. It's very like, funny. I watch is learning from that Joe. When I learned he was a guitar player, I was like. What? And then, and oh, then, me too. Uh, totally, me too. Right? Remember, Joe? Yeah. And then I do. Like, uh, with Joe's, with Tom playing bass, man. And I oh, I know. I know. And I'm like, I love the videos when his mom Nina's playing drums. I'm like, what is this family, man? I didn't even know who they were, and I'd watch these videos and go, this is awesome. This is some good stuff here. So, uh, and, yeah. And, and if I'm not mistaken, if I'm not mistaken, the Blurry Creature guys play guitar too, don't they? Uh, you know what, Nate? Nate was actually in a band called Sherwood. He, yeah, they're, they, I think, <laughs> knew it. I think oh, they opened too, for man. they opened for Hanson for a bunch of years. Yeah, did they really? <laughs> they did. What? Dude, yep. that's awesome. I like Hanson, man. I'm telling yep. you. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. Good yeah, Luke's got man. a guitar hanging up in the back, but I don't know how much he plays it. <laughs> Oh yeah, I've seen. Uh, yeah, I see that all the time, man. Everybody's got. That's how I saw Doug. Doug had a guitar in the back of his room. I was on a podcast, and I was, I was like, "Hey, man, what's that guitar back there?" Next thing you know, Doug's like, "Hey, I want to talk." Actually, I think you talk, want to talk to me about something with your dad and Doctor Tenpenny at the time. So probably, yeah. But but it turned into let's do lessons, which has been great. I enjoy them a lot. All right, folks. Well, if you if you enjoyed this episode, as always. We would love for you to support us, you know, just uh, what what you can do with social media, listen to it, share it, do whatever. You know, there's a like button, Rudy, you know, that, that like button thing. That's right. What, what I would like for the people to do this time <laughs> is to, to give the like button a ticket to their favorite band concert and make sure it's a front row seat so that maybe 
he can get you a backstage pass after the concert. There you go. We we also need to uh, really quick address the fact that people are hearing the bell on the podcast. Oh yeah, I got a I got a I got a uh, an email from somebody who was concerned that we had chimes and bells when when the like button came on. But I have a feeling that was probably because they were listening on the audio version. They're not watching the video. Right. So that chime comes up just because uh, it, it's the chime to like something. So thanks, guys. When I listen to Doug Van Dorn's podcast, <laughs> I keep hearing this a subliminal message. It tells me that Dan Fogelberg's the greatest. Ding 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 ding. Longer than what is going yeah. on here? Hey, I'll, I'll tell you what. One of my favorite Christmas season record uh, songs is a Dan Fogelberg song. That old, same old Lang Syne. Oh, absolutely. No, Fantastic song. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because he was messing around with Bach when he played that song. Right. Just to riff off Bach is all that is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. Oh, I didn't think about that. Oh, yeah. Right. So thanks, guys, for coming on the show. Everybody remember it's the glory of God to conceal things, but it is the glory of kings to seek them out. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.